is the blues on the street. Parade's complete, and Gloria is the new queen. You can't forsake the team in last place as they sang the Bruins to sleep. My memory is scummy, was this podcast that I'm in? Man, last season's out again, and Brink Moose is back in. Hey Pierre, what's wrong? What's going on? No team's gonna cut you a deal. Mitch said, hey Austin, you're awesome. Drop your pants and shock them. Now score like your game's freaking near. Unfriggin' believable. Sen's got no stars or snipers, but it's best draft in years. At least fans can't sleep easy, because here comes Lafreniere. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the season finale what? of the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast, season two finale. Oh. This is episode 18. We got a great one for you here tonight, <clears throat> a foursome Oh, <laughs> from one corner, <laughs> my co-host, Kyle Nice. What are you up to today? Uh, well, I was doing a lot of good work until you guys called me on for the show, unfortunately. So uh, now I'm here with you guys. In the other corner, making his return from last week. Of course, maybe a little more disappointed in himself after a two for 31 start in the NHL mock draft. Oh. <laughs> the bomb dropper himself. Oh. The one-liner master. Michael Robson. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm honestly feeling pretty humbled after a 2-for-31 uh, start to the NHL draft. But hopefully, hopefully this week goes a little bit better for me. And of course, and I left this one for last in the final corner, they call him on overdrive, Joe from the bridge. <laughs> Joseph Camilleri making his return from, I guess, a couple months ago. Back here on the pod, live from my uh, home here in Kingston. Yeah, happy to be back. I love it. Uh, you know, this has been brewing for a couple of weeks. I've been waiting to chirp Kyle for apps <laughs> for agency, and I've just been dying to. And I started a bit in that group chat. Um, oh. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here, and I'm really happy to get this going. It's going to be a great discussion. And uh, thanks for having me back. I am fully ready for it. And, so, and by the way, Nick... Uh, Way to, way to put on the pressure for the guys with, uh, with the whole season finale thing. That, uh, that's big time. That's, that's the big leagues right now. This is it. We have to go big, right? I mean, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Before we go yeah. into like our two-month hiatus before the World Juniors in December, I, I want to go off with a bang. So we got a huge episode. We have free agency. We have draft. Um, just a ton to get into about like two to three weeks worth of content. So without further ado... Let's start with the draft. Um, Kyle, we know you have questions. Oh, I hold on one sec. Yeah. I want to know everybody's take on who the winners and the losers were. Oh, he's getting the moose. He's getting the moose hat. Wow. <laughs> that is something else. Get a photo there of that, go. folks. There you go. This is going to be my new podcast hat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I want, I want to hear the winners and losers. And I also want to hear 
Kyle's questions. So where would you like to start with this, Kyle? You being the draft nut. Uh, well, we kind of touched on it before uh, about the bet. Uh, what were the actual final scores of that uh, little bet we had? Right. So draft nut Kyle himself <clears throat> finished with a venerable performance. Three for 31. <laughs> Which is actually not bad. I'd say that's about average. Uh, of course, as I mentioned earlier, Mike Robson, two for 31. And myself, patting myself on the shoulder, six for 31. By the way, guys, that's, uh, that's Nicholas Costu's last court. I will say that, all of you guys. Respect to you, Mike. You guys are experts in your field. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It was an especially unpredictable draft. So a lot of, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of craziness, and it took a hell of a lot of time. So... One of the funniest things of draft night was we were talking in the, in the group chat before and Kyle's like, watch, these are going to take some fun. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, they're not. And then they get found, like, immediately Kyle's like in the group was like, I, I fucking told you guys, there it is. <laughs> so you're right about one thing, Kyle, I'll give you that. And, and I said, in reality, that was Nick's pick. And I said that in the group chat because I roasted him for it. Um, and now since we're on it, Joseph, what did you think of Rodion Amirov at 15? Hold on, hold on. Before his take, just to show you the shock in Kyle, the second Rodion got picked, I got smacked in the back with a pillow about eight times. By this <laughs> and what was I saying? I said, you don't support this city. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. His whole family came down in, in just like concern. It was, it was awful. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it was that bad of a pick for the Leafs. Like, Obviously, people were hating on Dubas because they said they needed defensemen. But, like, my logic is that they need defensemen now, not three years from now. And I, I actually liked Caden Gooley. I think the Habs actually made a great pick in Caden Gooley. But we don't know what the hell Caden Gooley is going to be. It'll take two, three years before we even see him. The Leafs need defense now, not in three years from now. So Dubas' strategy is let me take what he thinks to be the best available player. I trust Dubas' stra uh, draft strategy. I trust Kyle Dubas. And I think that was a good pick. And I think he was – number four or five on Bob McKenzie's best European player ranking. He's a, he's a skilled winger. And I mean, I, I don't mind the pick. Um, I understand why people said they wanted defense, but again, like the Leafs need uh, defense now, not three years from now. And at 15, it's just a roll of the dice. Right. So uh, I don't mind it. I'm not as mad as some Leaf fans are. I'll just keep it that like that. Right. 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 Okay. Uh, so why don't we get into winners and losers then? Yeah, of course. So, uh, I didn't want to make like a fixed number for this. <clears throat> I want to let everyone just list who they thought won and lost. Okay. Um, unless, I don't know, like, do you want us each to go around and pick a team and we can keep going or do you want everyone uh, just... I'd say let, let's go around and just say all your winners and maybe your, your top winner and, and then, yeah. For me, my number one, or I, I, these are just not ranked. This, these are just guys who I was impressed with. Um, for one, I got to start with Calgary. Uh, I really, what did they pick? Like 21st or something? Yeah, something like that. I think they ended 22nd. Yeah, tw yeah exactly. They were listed to, st to draft at like 21st. They traded back to 24. They pocketed two th third rounders. And they still got the guy they wanted in Connor Zari 
who I believe is an Alberta native. I just love the kid. We talked about him enough on the preview show. Competitive, two-way guy, tries hard every shift, Ryan O'Reilly-esque, just a Nick kind of player, and you pocketed two third-round picks. I thought that was a savvy move. I like Carolina other than that. They got um, their boy Seth Jarvis with the 13th pick. The fact he dropped that far, I was rattled. Um, but <laughs> yeah. they were the beneficiary. I told Kyle, I thought Nashville should have taken him at 11. They botched it. And uh, yet again, Carolina gets another skilled, youthful, quick forward in Seth Jarvis. Minnesota at number nine was a win for me. Uh, Marco Rossi, of course, becomes their number one center when he grows into that title. I had no, I, I was, he was not going to drop that far. I thought he should have went as soon as three. He didn't, and uh, or maybe not three, but I would have taken him at five. Where Ottawa picked five, so the fact he went all the way to nine was a shocker. And I think <clears throat> they just ran to the microphone when they finally got that pick. Um, I like what Anaheim did. I like what they did with Drysdale at six and then Jakob Pro at 27. I went off on Kyle about how they didn't need another skilled forward who can work the power play. They needed a defenseman, a defenseman power play guy, and a scorer, a sniper in Jakob Pro. And they got both at six and 27. And also love their guy who they picked uh, in the second round, Ian Moore. He's one of McGuire's picks. Big brooding defenseman. So, uh, got to give a shout out to him. Uh, and then, other than that, two more. I like what Washington oh. did with uh, what's his face? Your boy, Kyle? Lapierre. Hendrix Lapierre, yes. Hendrix Lapierre. They, of course, take the risk. I like it. Um, I just like a team that can take a risk. I think he should have went to New York at 21. Um, I thought he could have even gone earlier, but. I like a team that takes chances. And that was good to see. And then Ottawa's the one I'm mixed about. I loved Ridley Gregg at 28. Fucking loved it. I think that solidified their draft for me. Like, that was the moment I was like, okay, this is a win. Three and five, they couldn't have gone wrong with anything. Like I said, I still would have gone with two forwards instead of the defenseman because I still think you have depth in uh, Shabbat, Bernard Docker, and Lassie Thompson. But it is what it is. They could have had Rossi and uh, Stutzel. But they go with the one in the one. Probably the safer bet. And now they get nerdy Jake Sanderson on their team. So um, they got Sanderson. They got Stutzla. And then I think Ridley Gregg was the one that put them as one of my winners. When I saw that, the fact he dropped there, I was like, oh. Like another guy like Connor Zari. Just another one of those guys who was like my, one of my top five players going into this. Love the chirps, love the attitude, love the charisma, and, and that sealed the deal for me. So those are my winners. All right. Well, I'll give you my winners in, a, in probably a far more brief manner to save the audience from the despair. Giving a participation medal to every <laughs> NHL. Do you like whatever you did? Five or six? He was giving the whole NHL a participation medal. Oh, my God. That was wild. <laughs> All right, so first off, how could we not mention the Rangers? The Rangers, just, just, they lucked into the first overall pick. That makes them automatic winners in my books. And then uh, they drafted a guy I like in Braden Schneider uh, later on, moved up to get him. 
uh, a Truba type of guy. I thought uh, they really solidified the core there. Uh, the Sens, again, another pick that you really can't go wrong with. There's debate on three and five, but at the end of the day, they got the best defensive defender, minute-munching guy, and uh, probably the highest skilled, you know, pure skilled forward on the board. Um, and then I'm going to go to Carolina. Obviously, that, uh, that Jarvis pick was just a slap at 13 or wherever they got them. Uh, Winnipeg was good. Perfetti at 10. Awesome, awesome pick for them. I'm sure they ran up to the board as well. Um, New Jersey, again, with the three picks. The last one was a fucking blunder. But to come out with uh, Holtz and Mercer, uh, that alone is a win for me. Uh, um, and then Washington. Yeah, with Hendricks Lapierre, you can't complain. thought that was a great pick. He should have gone earlier. But uh, those are my winners there. <coughs> All right, I'm going to try to touch on uh, a couple different stories than, than what's come before, but the one I do want to go back to is Minnesota. I think Minnesota hands down wins by taking Marco Rossi at number nine. I had them taking Askarov in the mock draft because I didn't have Rossi sliding down that far, but I really believe Rossi is going to come out as one of the best players to come out of this draft, and I think they lucked into him by having him slide. I think wingers were a big winner in this draft. I think you saw a lot of wingers go in the top, top 10 picks. And usually you see centers get picked and uh, teams try to slot them into the wing or play them at center if they can fit there. But I think um, we're seeing a little bit of a different philosophy in the NHL these days. So wingers definitely won. Uh, And then Quinton Byfield. I think Quinton Byfield is now put in a position where he's playing in LA with Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar um rob blake as head of the management team and i think he's surrounded by a great organization and he'll have an opportunity to really develop so quinton byfield minnesota wild and wingers those are my winners from from this year's draft and if i have to pick one loser it'll be the arizona coyotes yeah traded away all their picks lost every player they traded for uh well not every player but the main player they traded for and they're just they have to be kicking themselves at this point. At least the new management team is kicking John Chaka. And I got even more to add on there, Mike. I'll get into that in my loser segment, but you're going to love yes. it. Good, 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 good. Yeah, like I'll, I'll admit I'm not as big as an uh, NHL draft nerd like you guys are. Um, but I will say I, I think one of the biggest winners of the draft was Minnesota. I think Marco Rossi is, is a, was a great talent. Um, and same with Cole Perfetti. He was also good. I think the back-to-back 9 and 10 picks. Not just they're Italian. They're actually both very good players. And also, as much as I hate to uh, the Ottawa Senators, I think they won that draft. I think you can't go wrong at 3 and 5. I think Jake Sanderson's an incredible defenseman, and Stutzel's great too. So I say, I guess the Senators, um, the Wild, and Winnipeg won. But can we also, I want to say Nashville, I think they may have gotten a franchise goalie and where they drafted. I actually wanted him to fall to the Leafs, to be honest with you. Um, wow. So I think the win at picking that goalie. I, I think he was great. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd give those teams the winners. And, and, and I actually, funny enough, the losers, I was also going to say the Arizona Coyotes as well. So uh, we can bypass my loser segment because they fucking suck. So uh, <laughs> I'll give the loser chip to the Arizona Coyotes for this draft. And l- okay. Let me get into that. So 
I was doing some homework on the athletic yesterday, doing my due diligence as Here I always comes do. The devil's, ad- devil's advocate. Next. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just going to add more gas to the fire. Uh, I'm reading up. They give these draft grades on the athletic. You want to know what grade the Arizona Coyotes got, Kyle? An S. A D. <laughs> you don't get Pronman doesn't give out Fs. No one get Fs, but okay. he's the worst. Okay. And uh, anyways, I, I showed Kyle a snippet of what I found, and I will read this out to the rest of you right now. You got all these four statements. Are oh, you yeah, in hospital yeah. or something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, this is, uh, this is Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. Before I dive into my analysis of the Coyotes draft, it behooves me to highlight that their first pick of day two, Mitchell Miller, was involved in a pretty ugly bullying and assault case in 2016 <laughs> of a black classmate with oh. developmental disabilities. Oh, my it God. Landed. Oh. And the details are disturbing. Before learning more about the case, I considered Miller for my draft board. After reading on it more in depth, I decided against ranking him. Wow. That is just, that's, that's appalling. Here's some, here's some of the stuff I got from the story, if you want to hear it. This is disturbing content. We're, we already have the explicit sign on our show, so go ahead. <laughs> oh, Arizona. The Arizona. To me, here. The youths admitted to making Isaiah eat a candy push pop after wiping it in a bathroom urinal. Oh, Surveillance video also showed the boys punching and kicking Isaiah, who has developmental disabilities. All three boys Whoa. are 14 years old. That's, I'm that's, sorry. That's, that's that, that just cannot flow. That's disgusting. That is, that's, yeah. How, how is this your top the, How is this kid drafting? Draft? I have no idea. Oh. And their first God. pick of the day. They didn't have oh. a pick till 111, and they choose this kid. That's a, that's a bit of a moral sort of conundrum for the Coyotes. Like, how do you, how do you draft someone like that? Like, how can you say this person would be a good fit for my organization if he clearly is, is just a, a terrible human being. Not, Not to mention a, a first-time GM. This is his inaugural pick. Oh, Guys like so that, sad. you definitely don't want in the locker room. Frankly, those people like that you don't want to associate with. So I, I can't be good for business either. And Arizona often, one of the, is one of those teams that can't afford to not be good for business, yeah. if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. I'm coming off of a summer, too, where the Washington Capitals cut ties with Brendan Leipzig for mm. like his Instagram messages with his friends. Yeah, A story like that should disqualify picking a player like that from the draft. They need to already well collapse. Change the tone. <laughs> uh, two other losers for me. Gotta disagree with Kyle as always. I think the Rangers were a loser. That's an awful take. That, that awful is take. one of the worst takes I've heard. Um, awful take. No, come on. Let's hear him out before we shit on him. Okay. All right. The first thing is you're not going to get number one wrong. Nick, what, what no did one's gonna get that tell wrong. you? What did okay, you're not gonna tell get you that this wrong. time? Okay. And then with 21, why the hell are you taking the defenseman when your defense crop with guys like Keandre Miller is just fine, and you need a center. That organization needs a center. They weren't able to get one with Laugh. He's going to play wing. They could have had Zari. They could have had Lapierre. They could have had Maverick Bork. So many options for a center at 21, and they didn't address the need. That makes them a loser in my books. 
Well, then, uh, well, it's the same reason why the Leafs took Amir off because they thought that was their best player available. He's, he's going to be a valuable defenseman, and that's not – and he's – no player picked in 2020 draft is going to fill their need in the next two or three years. Just like Schneider was the best player available? Joe, yes, Schneider was in their mind the best player available. They moved up to get him, and if he pans out, a defenseman is far more valuable as a trade ship than any other – other than maybe a centerpiece. So that there you go. So maybe they trade the guy down the line. Doesn't matter. They, they, he's a high value guy. They liked him, and they're they're winners. They're absolute winners. Also hard to categorize a team that just took a winger that's as ready as any other prospect that's come up since I, I think since Connor McDavid. That's an NHL ready as Alex. It's so hard to categorize them as a loser. Um, but like I mean, your argument makes sense. I get it. It's just like I think drafting Alexis Lafreniere ought to puts them in the winner column. Like, there's no it, – it's hard to get them out of that. Yeah. I would – I mean, if you're going to put the Rangers in the loser column, I'd look more at the potential squeeze on cap room that they're going to face in a couple of years rather than what they've done this year. Like, I, I think they're still a winner from the draft, but a few years from now, they're going to be looking down the barrel of a serious cap squeeze gun. I agree. I think, I think like – Shesterkin is going to command a lot of money too, so they're going to be they're going to be tied up. Um, so yeah, down the road it will be tough. Uh, and but uh, like as of draft day, like the Rangers have like gone overnight from rebuilding to like a team that can legit I think contend in the playoffs. They got two stud goalies. They have a great winger in Lafreniere. They have Panarin. Like you know, they're they're definitely winners in my books. Oh yeah, very no, lucky, no, very no, lucky. Not, not contesting the direction they're heading in. Just think at twenty one they could have addressed that glaring need at center. Oh, back to, back to what Mike said about the cap issues. When, when they do run into these cap issues, they, they can now afford to move out a defenseman in two or three years and have Schneider step in. As well, I did a little bit of due diligence, as you'll say, on, uh, on some Lafreniere uh, interviews. Of course, I've been watching them all. Um, and he was asked specifically, how do you feel about playing center? And he said he's been asked this multiple times. And he responded with, I'm comfortable with trying it out. I'm good for anything. I'll do whatever the team wants. And it sounded to me like the Rangers have floated the idea by him. So now I'm, I'm in the camp of I'm 60% sure you're going to see the player try center uh, at least once or twice in the next year. So yeah. that'd be that'd be interesting. Do you think he's built as a centerman? I don't think he is. I don't. Think I think he is. I, I think his game really reflects a, a really well as a center, a thinker, a, a playmaker. Um, you know, good down low. His his defensive game needs work for sure. For sure, it does. But uh, I mean, I think it'd be a cool science experiment, and I think the Rangers would uh, would love to try it out because again, they do need the center. Also, you said pick. Didn't they draft nineteen? Wasn't Columbus twenty one? Oh, Columbus's pick is one of the best stories oh, of this draft, too. Fuck. I forget what number exactly those, it those was. Those teams may have flip-flopped. They may have made a deal or something. Yeah. yeah. took Schneider at 19. I think 21 Columbus took yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Yeah. Because the Rangers And that's, that's great. a great point. That was, that was my final loser. Um, <laughs> don't know what they were thinking with this one. Apparently, his stock really rose like the last week's days leading into the draft. Uh, like literally the day of people were watching like film of him in the morning. So he, it was a very late development. So stupid. And apparently I was reading what the Columbus media was saying. They said that he was a top 10 player on their board. That's sad. And 
when when I mean, at, Yarmo kick a lineman's board, but no one else's board. So when so asked sad. why you, you won't trade down, like why not just get that guy later and yeah. pick him at like sixty third instead of twenty one? Yarmo basically said we don't take chances with top ten talent. Uh, he's oh. not a top ten talent. Tell Yarmo to take it easy. But this is this this brings uh, us to an interesting part of this draft, which is I one of the losers in my opinion. Uh, which were people who were hoping for trades. There was so much depth in this draft that there really wasn't an incentive to trade up, right? Teams might be willing to trade back, but there's nobody willing to trade up for that pick when they still think they can get their guy five, six picks later. Mm. So you didn't see a whole ton of action on draft day, um, which I think was too bad. I think it took away from a little bit of the entertainment value. Um, it was made up for, I forgot to mention this in my winner's section, but uh, Ozzy Weisblatt and his family's reaction to being picked 31st overall. That was Fantastic. amazing. Kyle, um, let's hear you on that one. What are you talking about? I love that. Well, was the best. It's the San Jose the Sharks. So whatever they do is wrong in your book. On my notes here, I have what's your best moment? And for me, it was the Ozzy Weisblatt draft. So you can't shit wow. on me that. I'll so, give you so that. are the Sharks now a, a quote-unquote classy organization? I found all their picks were character-based, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, picks. reading some of the reviews, they, they got a good reviews on The Athletic. I was going to get into some of their other guys. Uh, like, of course, with Tristan Robbins. That was one of the guys going into oh. the draft I was all over about. Draft yes. Dynasty had him in his top 20. And they pluck him out like 47th or whatever. And I was, I was so like enamored. I, I wanted yeah. him to go like one of three teams. And that was one of them. So I was, I was thrilled to death about that one. Well, let's not get too far into San Jose. What I want to ask you particularly, Nick, uh, I want your... God-given reaction for Quinton Byfield going to your favorite team after all the high, after all the criticism we've given him. Yeah, no, no surprise at all. This this was this was the move I thought was going to happen two months ago. The second the lottery finished, everyone, all my sources in California were saying Byfield to LA. Um, did I agree with them? No. But do I still agree? No. <laughs> I would like Stutzel. I prefer Stutzla. But the reality is they have a glaring need at center because apparently Turcotte hasn't looked like he should. Um, and the rest of their centers are more death centers, right? And we've gone over this. So I, I, I think if they want that one center, that two center, it, it's byfield. And they're going for upside. Like, I, by this argument, Kyle, like, if you already have this deep library of prospects, you already have this coverage, like, covering your rear end, maybe mm. you do shoot for the stars with the two-pick. Maybe you do go with the guy with a higher ceiling. So yeah. looking at it from that, you know, microscope, it makes more sense to me. And cool. if Kopitar can groom him in these next few years and get him, you know, in, into playing top six minutes, then I think it'll be a good call in the long run. Well, and he looked great in that Kings uniform. 
Not gonna lie. Yeah, he did. Backfield's also yeah. like a good five-tool player. Like he'll 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 be a. No, solid. he doesn't. He doesn't back check, Joe. He doesn't, he doesn't no, he's, he's a good five-tool player. I think. I think. I think you're alive. The, the yeah. guy has the guy has no spine. To be honest, Nick, I think you're just very dejected <laughs> that they didn't get Alexis Lafreniere, and you're oh. taking your anger out on poor Quinton Byfield. <laughs> Quinton Byfield will be a good number two center in this league. I hope, I hope uh, you're right. And and Kyle, for the record, like. All the athletic guys have been doing like their prospect <clears throat> rankings after this draft, and yeah. Laugh and Byfield are in a tier of their own, and everyone really? else is below them. Yeah, so he he's got Byfield in the gold tier. He's got Byfield as a prawn, and he's got Byfield in the silver tier, and then everyone else is below. Wow. And that's even guys like who have been drafted, like Zegris and stuff. Ah, so and Byram. And Byram was like fourteenth. <laughs> I'll send you this list later. Okay. Yeah. Right now. I, yeah. I do think that Byfield playing behind um, Kopitar is going to be a huge advantage for his development, though. Like, I, I think you've got him learning from one of the best two-way centers in the game. On top of that, you have Drew Doughty, who is going to be a great mentor. And as I said earlier, Rob Blake in, you know, in the front office. So I, I, I think Byfield's going to be set up for success. I think all the doubts about his compete level and, and his spine and his back checking and his mental game. Um, he's going to have some great character as well as uh, actual play mentors to learn from. And I think he's going to do, he's going to develop really well in LA. Yeah. Also the, like uh, one of the, I think he's the highest drafted uh, uh, black player in NHL history, which is absolutely yep. amazing. So good yep. for him. Magic Johnson tweeted him. Which is like incredible. nice. So I think you guys got like a, a solid kid there in Quentin Byfield. He's going to be a good player. Very likable guy. Very very quirky, exactly. likable nice guy. guy. Like, you know, a, yeah, like a good kid, just with some maturing <clears throat> to do. Yes, which you a can lot, say about a lot. A lot of I, I think that's the vast majority of eighteen-year-olds. I mean, what were we doing when we were eighteen? <laughs> not the not the 18 year olds who come from germany though in you know tim stutz a little more at cider <laughs> but um okay is there any other losers you want to get into uh i think we've covered most of them i, I don't really have anyone else who really i, I have a it. question oh. yeah go ahead mike before i pose my question i have one that could potentially fire kyle up here i think the montreal Canadiens absolutely lost the draft Oh, that the opportunity to take a potentially top 10 talent in Hendrix Lapierre, a guy who could have become a number one center for them down the road, a French Canadian to play in Montreal. And I think they messed that up by taking Gouley. I'm not going to argue that Gouley was the safer pick or, or that Gouley wasn't the safer pick there. But I think with Lapierre on the board at 16, if you're Montreal, you have to take a chance on a guy who could have been a top 10 talent if he didn't get injured. Mike, I, I'm so disappointed because I absolutely agree. Like when, when I heard Gooley, I, I wasn't sad. I wasn't mad, but I was a little disappointed. I was like, man, like everyone had penciled this in for the perfect pick, the Lapierre pick. And you're right. It kind of sucked to, to see that go by, but they had, they had a good second round and, Gooley was the safe pick and he'll turn out to be a second pairing defenseman. And yeah, it'll work out all right. It's just Bergevin did more of his magic outside the draft than, than inside. I think. Trying to convince us or yourself of the magic. Outside. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> no, he did. The, some are saying this is Bergevin's best offseason of his career. Well, the bar's pretty low, so but <laughs> sure. I mean, I guess. I, I, I guess. Well, we'll get well, into that. Yeah, we'll get into that later. <laughs> so, uh, so, Nick, um, if you're good with the draft stuff to be, to be wrapped up, I have one more bit well, of like, on, uh, news. On. One thing you're cutting Montreal short about is their picks in the second round and the <clears throat> third round. I mentioned the I'm second very round. Fond, I'm very fond of a player called Luke Tuck. Uh, my this was another another Maguire pick. Uh, this guy is very much like his brother who plays for Vegas. Vicious, tenacious, but he's got some speed on him too. Just a crafty player. Works hard. Grinder. I really like the 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 Luke Tuck or the Alex. So he'll, he'll slot in well in the fourth line. Then is what you're saying. <laughs> he'll be a no, good, third he'll be line. A very third good line. Third liner. Yeah, a great third liner. Uh, and then Montreal's team team is a great third line. And here's the, <laughs> they all in the second round. They also got Jan Misak, uh, who is another player I was really fond of. In some lists, he was ranked 13th overall, and they got him to drop all the way to 40. And this kid is fun to watch. This kid more skilled. He could be a top six talent. And they got him in the 40. Um, and then some other fun ones, that kid Colangelo, that American Kyle. Yeah. Uh, I really like him. He went to Anaheim. So another another win for Anaheim. I thought Anaheim had a great draft, Meh. and then Kingston boy uh, Martin Kromiak, fourth yes. round. He went to uh, the Kings, uh, mm. and that was really cool to see too. Let's uh, um, let's not forget Zade Wisdom, who ended up going to the oh, Flyers, which I, I think forget? is going to be a great fit for that guy. Yeah, he plays it is hard. a great fit, eh? The and, the whole Broad Street yeah. bullies kind of fit. Yeah, the, the Leafs no, should have got him. <laughs> I, I kept he, when he dropped out of the third round. I was like, "What the fuck's going on here? Like, why is no one picking him?" And everyone passed on him. You guys are getting way too deep into this draft for my liking. This is <laughs> you guys are nerds. Uh, two, two more. Ottawa. They got another good defenseman, like in the second round, Tyler Clevin. He was Sanderson's roommate uh, back in North Dakota. So that's mm. a cool little tie in there. And apparently, he's more of a big brooding defenseman. And then another uh, great Anaheim pick. They got a D called Ian Moore. Uh, very good American defense as well. Another Maguire pick. Going, so they uh, have them. Going, going back to the Sanderson connection with Clevin, um, Greg and Sanderson's fathers also played together in the NHL previously, like in their careers. Um, so they were wow. talking about that on, I think, the Sportsnet coverage about how there's a little bit of a family connection how the kids would have grown up together. Um, so just good lineage and, and a little bit of a connection there as well. I think uh, Dorian learned his lesson from the Hoffman Carlson debacle and is looking for a little bit of a locker lineage. room. Uh, <laughs> this is the, the Windsor family. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. That's a, that's a good story. Dorian is, is he's did his homework. He really did. Yep. Good draft. I, I hate them, but great draft for Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then one question I had. Uh, I'm sure Kyle and Michael have some opinions here. Who went higher in your opinion? Um, Raymond at four or Quinn at eight? Oh, that's good. Uh, personally, oh boy. Personally, Raymond. Just because I'm a big Quinn fan. When I saw Buffalo pick Quinn, it, 
there was a shock be- a little bit because it wasn't Rossi or Perfetti, but I think he's got the talent to, to prove them right at that point. Uh, and Raymond, a lot of guys had him outside the top 10. So for him to go four, especially with the stat line he had, uh, it's a hard, hard question, but I'm going to go Raymond surprising by a hair, by a hair. It's really close. I'm, I'm going to disagree, but again, it's really close. Uh, I think I was more surprised by, um, by Quinn going at eight because there, was, there were rumblings of Raymond going at five to the Senators. Like there, there was a lot of talk about that being the pick at five over the couple weeks leading into the draft. Um, so it was expected that Raymond would go somewhere around there. I also think there's a lot of emphasis put on the fact that he's playing in the SHL against men. Um, Quinn, because he was a winger and because it's a, it was a really deep draft, I expected him to go sort of mid-teens. Um, so when I, when I heard that he went to Buffalo when Perfetti and Rossi were still on the board, I was a lot more surprised than I think Raymond going fourth to Detroit. And a lot, a lot of Buffalo fans are pissed, eh? Like they're a lot, like most of the mainstream Buffalo fans are pretty upset because they know a Rossi, they know a Perfetti, and they get this Quinn guy, and they're like, "Oh, another thing's gone wrong." You I know, got that so. vibe from a lot of the Buffalo media too. Like I've read some articles from like the Buffalo News. Like they're they're very unhappy. I mean, I, I guess they're pretty used to that right now. <clears throat> Um, yeah. But yeah, no, like I don't understand why they wouldn't take a Perfetti or Rossi before that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, it made made no sense to me. Wingers just flew off the board a lot they faster did. than I I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't they want like a complimentary, like solid, like not center to Jack Eichel, like in a Rossi or Perfetti? like I I don't know, like I don't get it. Like why why would they take him? Um, I mean, here, yeah, go ahead, Kyle. Well. The reason I the reason I like Quinn there is because I saw Eichel as their number one, Cousins penciled in as their number two long term. So if they want to fit a center and keep him as a center, like they'd either have to move him to wing or have him as a three. Now Quinn is a guy; he's just got a really great scoring touch, great work ethic. Um, I just really like him. I, I think he's a good kid. I, I know he's going to make it. He's going to be a perennial thirty goal guy. And I think it's it's just a it's a no brainer to put him beside either Eichel or or Cousins and have him perform. The only thing I can add to that is my comparison for Jack Quinn is Zach Hyman with a shot, and I think that that compete level, the attention to detail, the work ethic is going to transfer really well to to Buffalo, and I, I think he's going to be a good player. I just think, given the talent that surrounded him on the draft board at that time. <clears throat> It's just surprising to see him come off the board. Positionally, mm-hmm. good fit, great player, going to develop well, I think. And Buffalo's going to be happy they took him in a few years. Could be the Chris Aps-Prazingis at the NHL. Um, but, you know, I think, yeah, yeah, just surprising given the talent that surrounded him on the draft board. Mm. Well, I, I had to ask that question just because from one <clears throat> perspective, I don't think anybody saw Quinn going ahead of Rossi. Like that's yeah. just bonkers. Like there shocking. was some, there were, was some. If you watched the sixty sevens all year, no one would have had a crystal ball saying that was going to happen. I, I thought there was a lock for them to draft Rossi or Perfetti. Like I think they're yeah. Into- yeah, yeah. I understand why they, but I mean, I guess I get Kyle's points make sense, but like I, I still <laughs> think that like centers are just more valuable. 
Mm-hmm. And a team like Buffalo, like, could use, like, like is Eric Stahl going to be their long-term, like, 3C option? Like, you know, you could have slotted one of these guys in, you know? So, I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand the pick. Like, I know he's going to be a good player, but I, I don't know if that's what Buffalo really needs right now. But, yeah, no, it's, like, it was very weird that, like... Ballsy, too, like, for the first-time GM, because he knows he's going to be under fire. Yeah, Wouldn't like, it make sense just to pick the safe guy? Well, that's the thing that the problem they've had in Buffalo for so long is like just do the right thing. <laughs> like they just never do the thing that they should be doing. You know? And as a Leaf fan, I get that. But like, fuck, like, you know, just yeah. make the easy pick, the easy play. Like, you know, don't don't try yeah. to reinvent the wheels here. Take the centerman. You know? It, it, also, you know what big, else year, is... big year for Italians on the draft board. Oh big yeah. Year. You know year. what else is really like to go against me again? If any team needed to pick safe because they're so in trouble. It's, it was Buffalo, and, and they didn't do that, which I love, man. I just love that. But, hey, that's it's so Buffalo. It Buffalo. Yeah, it's just like a <laughs> Buffalo thing to do. They were so in trouble, man. Like, just keep the fans happy at this point, you know? <laughs> what fans? The, the one fan that shows up for the season it, ticket holder? Dwayne, no. Dwayne from Buffalo. No, no, they got fans. Oh, they Dwayne. got great fans. Kelly's oh. Corner. Yeah, yeah well, Kyle and I have met some. We we I, went to I mean, a local neighborhood bar there and ran into some some big nuts. Let me tell you, it's the armpit of America. <laughs> and they got though. Taylor Hall, so you have to think yeah, the fan base is pretty happy for that. There'll be uh, fourteen points instead of sixteen points out of a playoff spot this year. <laughs> but but then to be fair, like the reason I posed it as a question was because for me and Kyle, I don't know about you, Mike, but personally, like Raymond at four was when we went whoa, like this top 10 is going to go in a weird direction because we didn't see that coming. I, so I agree. It, it was shocking, but I think Quinn coming off the board before Rossi, somebody like Rossi for not the entire year, but, but since I would say about January, I felt that Rossi was a top three, top five talent in this year's draft. So Jack Quinn getting picked ahead of him blew me away more than more than Raymond going at four because, because I was expecting all of my friends who are Sens fans were saying Raymond's coming off the board at five. He's going to be a Senator. He's going to be the Mitch Marner on our team. Um, And I won't lie. I was laughing at them for saying that, but Mm. then he went four to Detroit. So Mm. there, there was an expectation that he was going to go fifth. Right. Well, well, yeah, let's, let's do it. One sec, and one sec. I, I, one more thing to say, just to wrap this segment up. Um, so we all heard that the World Juniors are back in Edmonton for 2020 and 2021. Uh, based on when the NHL does start, uh, there's rumblings that there's the potential for a true best-on-best format where all of the age-eligible junior guys will be available for their team. So we're talking Jack Hughes, Alexi Lafreniere going back to their international squads, if their NHL teams are cool with that. It's a possibility. I'm not saying it's for sure. I'm not saying it's probable, but it's a possibility, which I think would be great. Capo Caco going back. Like, it's, it'd be great. It'd be amazing. So, Just great to watch. Agreed. So I, I'm for that, and we'll keep an, our, our eye on it. Oh, that would be unprecedented. It would instantly make it the best world junior ever. <laughs> yes. Agreed. No. Fans or no fans? It would not be. The best World Juniors ever, I believe, was the 05 World Juniors. 
0405, the lockout one when you got <clears throat> Crosby playing with like it, it was it, that that was the best World Juniors ever. Getzlaff and those yeah. guys. I'm not yeah. saying it will be, but it's got the potential, especially we when you too, got all those, you know, older guys playing too. Yeah, we were too young to realize that back in the day, Mike. So this one's special. Maybe, yeah, but I'll, you know, there, one, people always debate what the best draft class was, and and I'll I'll stick with the best World Juniors was that lockout season, even if this World Juniors ends up going a similar way. Yeah. Uh, one last question. Who is Aturati? <laughs> and what can we expect from the 2021 draft? Um, so Ratty's been at the top of the board for most guys for, for most of the last two years, probably. Uh, but he's, he's a guy that in this draft, I think would have factored in in the four to 10 range. Not a crazy skilled, like over the top guy. I honestly predict the defenseman will go number one. One of these top crop defenders will separate themselves. Um, and, uh, and I think we're going to see that solidify as, as we go. But Ratti will not be number one, in my opinion. Go ahead, Mike. Um, so I would love to see what Kyle's saying come to pass. I would love to see it be a defenseman go number one. And a guy who... I watched in the GTHL final a couple years ago playing with Shane Wright in Brant Clark. Yeah. I think I would love to see him shoot up the draft board. However, Aturati, as Kyle said, has been the consensus number one pick in the 2021 draft for, I think, a few years now. So I'd be surprised to, to see anybody th- dethrone him. Um, I'm personally more excited to see who gets Shane Wright in 2022, but oh, that yeah. might be projecting a little too far ahead. Let's fast forward our lives till then. <laughs> Guys are already preparing to tank for that. Yeah. Who? Teams are already preparing to tank for the 2022. But I bet. I bet. That should do it for junior talk. Just to show, well, just to show you like how crazy this 2021 draft is. Like <clears throat> two months ago, I looked at a mock, or four months ago, and, and that Clark guy was one. Yeah. And oh, now good. He's like tenth. Wow. <laughs> what so went it's wrong? It's gonna be weird. It's gonna be. <laughs> so I know that like, you can't predict a lot from watching a 15-year-old play, or I guess he was 16 at the time. But in my opinion in a game that had Shane Wright in it, he was the most outstanding player in, in that final game. Wow. Just every play he made, I was sitting there going, this guy's going to be an absolute star. So, I, I don't know. Brant Clark, I think, is going to be really good. Um, I'd love to see him go number one overall, but there's a premium on forwards in the NHL, so I think Aturati's probably got a lock on that. Uh, Joe, if, if the OHL comes back and they allow fans, will you come watch Shane Wright with me and Michael? <laughs> Do you see who this kid is? It's like I a guess, date. As long as I can get drunk, like, yeah. I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> Deal. I mean, yeah, done. I feel like I have to do that to watch OHL hockey, but yeah, sure. Oh, no, when you see this kid, you'll be blown away. Blown yeah, blown you get too big of draft nerds for me. I watch the first round and that's it. <laughs> Okay, we move on. Moving on. on. Moving on. 
free agency. Before we get into the t- questions, the winners and the losers, I'm just going to go over some of the notable signings here. What do you mean some? <laughs> there's like a thousand. I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> but like, I just It's going to be another Nick thesis. Are you going in, in yeah. chronological or what? Yeah, chronological. Okay, good. But these are notables. So are we going to jump in on conversation as a notable comes up? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Do you want to? Well, what, how, we, how else are we going to do Okay, if someone, wants, if someone wants to chime in, they can do so. <clears throat> Matt Murray, four years, 6.25 A. That contract is just absurd. Like, that, you know what that is? That's Matt Murray saying that I have to come to Ottawa, pay me. That's what that is. That's the Ottawa tax. He got paid. No, no. You're yeah, right. It's the, it's the only team that could pay him that much. Horrible contract. Uh, Markstrom is making less and Markstrom is a better goalie than Matt Murray by far. Like, I don't understand that one. Like he, he's going to like, I guess that's just Matt Murray saying I got to eat shit for like two years. Cause the team's still going to be bad. Not to mention I'm playing in Canada, Ontario. So you're going to have to pay me above what I'm worth. That is a horrible, horrible, horrible contract that the Sens gave to him. I, when I saw that, I could not believe it. And my buddy Josh is a huge Pence fan. And even he is like, I love Matt Murray, but that is just, like, that's obscene. How the hell is he making more money than Jake Markstrom? He's a much better player than him. Dorian can be a bit of a weirdo sometimes. Yeah. We're also uh, talking about the timing of the deal. Don't where, get it. Like, I just, I don't, I understand. Yeah. Oh. We're, like, we're talking about the timing of the deal where Matt Murray's signing was announced after some of the goalie contracts had already been announced on pre-agency open, like, on pre-agency opening day on Friday. Braden Holpe had already signed for, I think it's a 4.3 million AAV. It is. Before the Matt Murray contract was announced, which means that there was precedent set for somebody who'd won a cup, who I, I don't know if Holpe's won a Vezina, but I believe he's been a finalist a couple times. Um, I don't, I think you're wrong, Michael. I, I think I, I, I remember the Murray signing happening before TSN Trade Center and then the Holpe thing happened during Trade Center. I'm pretty sure like Holpe went in the afternoon. I remember seeing the Murray contract like, later at night. That might have just been me seeing it, but I remember. I thought, yeah. Like, I thought the Markstrom contract came after the Murray one, but the Murray contract didn't come until after the first couple of goalies were signed. Oh, Mike, if that's the case, then. Uh, Correct. No, he's right. Murray was just after Holtby and after Talbot and after Henrik. Um, and he, correct, Markstrom was after Murray. So Markstrom was after You, you know what it is, Joe? I think it's just a guy walking into Newport Sports or wherever this happened and, and swinging his big dick and saying, I've won two cups. And maybe that gives you the, the clout for 6.25. My counter argument is that uh, you're not the goalie that won those two cups anymore. Uh, I'm not paying you 6.25 because there's no way in hell you're worth it. But again, like I want Matt Murray's agent negotiating everything in life for me. If he could swing that for Matt Murray, I want Matt Murray's agent negotiating their contract for me in my life. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. no, and I, I spoke to a Sens fan yesterday. Um, Sens fans? Like you, you actually yeah, found yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was uh, This was Sam on our <laughs> hockey team, Mike. And I, okay, and I asked him, I'm like, you way overspent on Murray. And he said, well, hey, if, if there's a team that's going to break the bank and overspend, it's the team with all that cap space and it's the Ottawa Senators. I said, that's not really an excuse, but okay. Oh, that's no, not I, let, let me give you two devil's advocate points. Uh, first, the, the Sens 
were actually struggling to get to the cap floor so they could actually afford this deal. And second, Matt Murray's only 26. So some of these goalies, they don't even get to the NHL before the age of 28. So I think, yeah, he's had some rocky years, but, uh, you know, he's still got the potential to be a great goalie, especially when he's not under the microscope of Pittsburgh and he's not being vilified for kicking Flurry out of town. I think Murray's got some good years in him in the Senators, and it's not like it's a seven-year deal. It's only four years. Uh, if things go south, yeah, um, I'm I, sure. I get your points, but 6.25? There's, Make it, yeah, why that's, not? That's why not, not? can't justify that. Like, I get your point, but like... It's even, high, it's high. It's high, it is. It is it's, high, it's, but hey. Yeah, and... and they did it, get like, him for nothing, though. They got him for, like, pennies on the dollar yeah. for in a trade. They did trade for him, so that must have been one of the conditions of the deal. I, I don't know if he had a no-movement clause, but... Uh, I think he was an RFA. Okay. Yes, and I guess maybe to, to give some sort of legitimacy to the contract. Anders Nielsen and Marcus Holberg are the only two other goalies in the Sens organization right now play like for the big league team. So I guess it's like, you know, hey, we, we need a fucking goalie, right? Yeah. So I guess, I guess you have to overpay. And, and I think a lot of these small market teams, well, <clears throat> small market teams like Winnipeg or Ottawa has to overpay certain times because at the end of the day, you're playing in Canada, Ontario. So like, I get that. But I just think it's just such a big contract for a goalie that's been, looks like to me at least, he's been on decline for recent years where Pittsburgh didn't even want him and they went with Yari. So it's just, for me, it seems like an overpay. But I understand as, for example, if I'm in Pierre Dorian, she's just like, holy fuck, like we really need a goalie. So like, I get it. But it just seems to me, like when I saw the contract, I think all of us can agree we were pretty shocked that Matt Murray went for what he went for. Well, well here, yeah. here's the crazy one. Here's the last number I'll throw at you. Tristan Jari. The guy who you'd say eclipsed him in Pittsburgh. Yes. He was just signed to a deal this year. Three-year, 3.5 AAV. That's half the price. And uh, he's a better goal. I mean, let's look back at Flurry leaving Pittsburgh, though. And Flurry got signed to a three-year extension at, I think, 6.25 in Vegas when Matt Murray was on a very similar deal to what Tristan Jari is now signed for. So I think Pittsburgh has this precedent of shipping their old goalies out of town for the new guy who's, you know, flashed a little bit of skill. Um, I think with Matt Murray, it's just surprising because we heard a lot during free agency, like the free agency frenzy, about how goalie contracts, you need to be aware that you can't give them too much money because they can be a flash in the pan. And even Sergei Bobrovsky, somebody who's been a very consistent goalie, signed a ridiculous contract with Florida. I think $10 million. That, that contract year. is like an album mm. Yeah, but Carey Price as well, $10.5 million. And Carey mm-hmm. Price, arguably, at the time he signed it, was so far and away the best goalie in the league that he was worth that much money. But when it comes to goalies, it's the longevity and the ability to continue their prime that you have to be careful with. And so 6.25 might not be bad for Murray, but with four years as the term, you have to be a little concerned that by the end of it, you're sinking money into a guy when you all of a sudden have to pay your rookies and pay the players who are currently on rookie contracts. And you might need to get to the floor now, but you need to be aware of the ceiling in three to four years. Yeah, and I think I think I guess the big difference between the like the carry like 
Carey Price contract. At the time he signed it, he was still by and far the best goalie in the world. In my opinion, whenever he's on his game, Carey Price is still the best goalie in the world. So I guess there's a big difference there. But I agree with you on the term. It's like you have to get to the floor now, but like in a couple of years, you're going to have to sign these guys back. And Ottawa isn't like the Leafs where they can just front load their contracts and like, uh, you know, apply it with signing bonuses. That the, the Sens can't do that. So it's concerning, <clears throat> right? So, I mean, we'll see how it pans out. I wish Matt Murray nothing but the best. I, like I've always liked Matt Murray. I just like, for me, I just thought that like it was just a shocking number and a shocking term. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I think there are some great things happening in Ottawa. And hopefully Matt Murray can be a part of it. But uh, again, like just a, just a wickedly high contract for him. Well, that, what, that's uh, why I preface. Go ahead, Kyle. I, I got to, we got to have some sort of respect for this guy. I'm going to contextualize this a little bit. Of all the goalies on the board in this free agency or even on the trade market, te- technically he's the most experienced playoff and cup, not playoffs, but cup wise. He's got the most cups, and he's by far the youngest. That's got to mean something, boys. Is he 26? He's 26. Markstrom's 30. Uh, Holtby's well over 30. Talbot's over 30. Henrik's an ancient goaltender. Like well, the Holtby signing was because they fucking – I don't know what they thought in Vancouver. Like, why wouldn't you pay Markstrom? Like, that made no sense to me. Either. Like, why would they let him walk? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think – I think with the with the Vancouver situation, which I'm sure we'll get into more depth later, but they believe Thatcher Demko and they have believed Thatcher Demko is going to be their goalie of the future for a few years now. You, they tried to offer Markstrom shorter term, is what I've heard. Elliot Friedman was reporting that it took them a while to get up to even five years, and by the time they got up to five years with Markstrom, Markstrom had decided to leave. Um, so I think they saw the opportunity to jump on Holtby as a mentor for Demko, brought him in, and that's that's the role that they're going to have for him. But yeah, I, Markstrom, as far as goalies, was the best available in this year's class. But Kyle does have a point with the age and Stanley Cup experience of Matt Murray. This could turn out to be a great deal. You're getting four prime years of a goalie who's won twice. I'm, it's it's not maybe it's not as bad as we're making it out to be. They're gonna suck for <laughs> two of the three of those four years. Like they're not they're not yeah, ready. I know, I know, I know. That's the thing. But, but you're you just hey, paid guys six million dollars to to sit in the team when you're thirty through twenty points out of a playoff spot. That's the thing. It's like he's I mean, gonna, he's gonna mature with the core, and by year three and four, they're all gonna be ready together. You know. And then six point two five. I don't know what year three, that. maybe year four, but that's still. I mean, they they got a like they, they're still a horrible hockey team. Like I, like I said, like I prefaced with, this Pierre guy can be a little weird sometimes. Like I I like him. I showed Kyle. He does a candid interview. He's very open with the media. He's a good guy. <clears throat> but the second they traded for Matt Duchesne and he stepped to the podium and said, "This puts us over the top." <laughs> Like, I was like, who is this guy? What's going on here? I have to say, I'm back to the draft. Alex Trebek announcing that pick was fucking fantastic. Good yes. for Alba. I feel like they blew the entire budget on hiring Alex <laughs> But, like, at least, at least they had some sort of credibility. And the Sens New Jerseys look fantastic. I'll give them that. Oh, they won the jersey. Yeah, I'm about to buy one. They signed... Uh, and that's those two are Melnick's calls. So give them some credit. Didn't I almost get kicked out of the Canadian Tire Center for chirping Melnick that time we went to the game? Uh, and by the way, Melnick has guaranteed a cup in Ottawa in four years. 
2025. Wow. Right? He's, he, he's, he's off his rocker. <laughs> Hey, you never know. The team will still be there in three to four years. <laughs> All right. It was a joke. They were like, you know, we have to – Ottawa was like, we're going to make our arena COVID-friendly. I'm like, the arena is already COVID-friendly. <laughs> <laughs> 6,500 fans in that arena? Who's there? Who goes there? You know right. what? I'll say uh, this. Um, hey, hey, hey. One, yeah. one more thing. If Murray pans out, if, if all their defense prospects pan out, the Sens have a top five defense core. They've got a great goalie, and it's just the forwards you're looking at. Shabbat, oh, hey, Shabbat and Sanderson. I mean, Shabbat and Sanderson could be the best defensive pair in the NHL if they if they pan out. Uh, they could. I, I love Thomas Shabbat, but again, like this is going to take. This isn't going to be like a like a year three, year four. Matt Murray's going. This is going to be Matt Murray's going to be gone before this team can compete. I mean, we're we're talking about a team that's got. Logan Brown, Drake Batherson, Tim Stutzel, uh, Ridley Gregg. They just signed Evgeny Dadanov. I'm not so sure we should be writing them off of being a contender in the next three to four years. Do I think they'll win a cup? We'll see. Um, but. <laughs> yes. They're not, no. Listen, they're going to be a very a good team in like three to four years. But again, like if the argument is, was this Matt Murray contract worth it? It by year like three or four, it's just like okay, I'm gone. You know, so you, you just <laughs> and then good for Matt Murray because he cashed in on a deal where it's like I'm 26 years old, whatever. I don't care. I get to play in Ottawa, but I'm making way more than I should. So good for him. <clears throat> Look, but, I mean, Joe, you're a Leafs fan. Freddie Anderson signed a similar deal when he came to the Leafs a couple, like a few years ago, right? Like that's that's what this is for the set. Right, but the Leafs, but the Leafs happen to have mm. a one over I know they traded before that, but the least happened to have Austin Matthews. The Sens don't have an Austin Matthews. This was the deepest draft Mar- in the past few years, and they had three picks in the first round. They don't have a Mitch Marner. They don't have a William Nylander. They don't have any of those guys. So the Sens don't have the. Talent. They don't need them. <laughs> the least you're don't not going to put a cup with Thomas Shabbat. You will. You can. You not can. Just with him now. Tim Stutzel's not going to win you a cup. Come on. <laughs> no, you need more than him. But yeah, they're building blocks. They're great building. Blocks. They're, they're good players. They're good players, but they're not superstars. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are superstars. That's the difference. Yeah, Kyle. They didn't get Byfield. They need the superstar. No, 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 no. Hey, Kyle, remember, when, remember when Nick said that there was a bunch of writers that said that Alexis Lafreniere might go to the Kings? Remember that? Remember oh, my God. Oh, my good God. That All would right, be something special. We spent a lot of time on Murray, so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to clump these next ones. Okay, go ahead. To get the goalie carousel out of the uh, equation. Yeah. Cam Talbot, Minnesota. Three years, 3.67 AAV. Braden Holpe, Vancouver. As we mentioned, two-year, 4.3 AAV. Henrik Lundqvist, Washington. Not sure what the money is there. Mark six-year, six-million deal. Calgary. And Ancon Kudobin. Four years, three point three million AAV to Dallas. Let me. I just want to say something about the Kadobin signing. I, I. I mean, I think that the, the money's good, but I just don't think that he's going to have that season again. I think that was fool's gold. 
But, but, yeah, but he can cashed in. Well, he can, and as he should. But yeah. I just don't think that Kadobin is putting up those numbers again. I think that's a flash in the pan. I think that's yeah, that's a mistake. I, like, I mean, I think I think that if they're expecting that next year, they're going to be sadly mistaken. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think, yeah. We mentioned Mark for uh, Calgary. We did, we did. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a perfect signing for them. I think that's exactly what Calgary needs. They need a goaltender, and Markstrom was the right one. I, I, I like how Vancouver rebounded immediately and signed, signed Braden Holpe, but I just don't understand how they didn't get the Markstrom deal done. I guess maybe they're – I mean, I guess, I guess their logic is that we have to sign, you know, Quinn Hughes and Pedersen and all these guys, and we don't want them already tied up in the 30-year-old Jacob Markstrom. But I, – and I get they were going after Demko, but I, I – I, I still don't know if Thatcher Demko is, is going to be the guy. Like, I, I think I would have signed Markstrom back if I was the Vancouver uh, uh, general manager, but, you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, like, like what, what difference is 1.7 million? Nicole's getting 4 3. Like, why couldn't you get that done? It's the. Uh, they, it was. even bring back Tannen. I know they got Schmidt for a third that rounder, and we'll, get, it, we'll get into that later, but. But it's not like I don't know what their cap situation's like. But 1.7 million is that really life or death? Like I don't. <clears throat> so they're they're in a bit of a tough spot with Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, um, and on top of that, with the Canucks, with the Seattle expansion draft coming up, uh, having two goalies on your books who you don't want to lose is a recipe for disappointment. And I think you have to bet on the younger guy here, right? Like they've had Thatcher Demko in the system for several years now. Um, so bringing Holpe in instead of Markstrom, the hope is that uh, they can sort of expose Holpe to the expansion draft that they need to and, and hold on to, Dem- to Demko, who they believe is their goalie of the future. They were never willing to give Tanev, Stetcher, Toffoli, or Markstrom term from what I've heard. Um, and that's just, that, that was one of the reasons why these players walked. I mean, we'll get into the Vegas situation and and pissing off your players and possibly creating a toxic locker room. But in Vancouver, what the Mm. issue was is with some of these big contracts still on the books in, in Beagle, um, Roussel and Louis Erickson with the expansion draft looming and with PD and Quinn Hughes up for extensions in the next year you just are walking a very fine line. And so I think that that's why they ended up having to let all these players go. And they're going to be worse off for it. I think they're one of the losers of free agency because even though they got Nick, uh, sorry, Nate Schmidt, they lost so many pieces. Yeah. I, I think, I think maybe ownership went to Benning and said, you've mucked up too much in these off seasons, giving big dollars and big term to guys like Roussel and Beagle. And this is where we're cracking down and, and throwing down the hammer. And I, th- I think behind the scenes, something was said. And I think that's why this Markstrom thing didn't work. But I'm with Joe. I, I feel so good for Calgary because they've been that team for so long that hasn't solved their goaltending issue. Like, think about how many tandems they've had there. Like, this guy and this guy, this guy and this guy. And finally, they get... This is the first number one since Mika Kiprasov. Like, this is awesome. And finally, that defense, which I think is underrated, can have a guy behind there they can count on. And David Riddick can be a backup, which I think he he's did meant lose to one be. of their best in TJ Brody, though. And we'll, get- and we'll get into that. Oh. But I still think they'll be just fine. They replaced him with Panev, and we'll get into that. <clears throat> but it's not over. So um, 
yeah, good for Calgary. And then a lot of people will shit on me for this, but I like I like Cam Talbot. I think he'll fit in right in there at Minnesota. He's terrible. Um, Three point six seven. Okay, here we go. He's what, fucking terrible. Actually, Minnesota does just terrible. If we're, no, if we're Cam, gonna dive, just Cam. <laughs> if we're gonna if we're gonna start loading on Cam Talbot in the Minnesota Wild, um, why didn't Joe Sakic pursue one of these top tier goaltenders in free agency here, Kyle? Uh. I'll tell you why. <laughs> because Joe Sackick has trust in Philip Grubauer. And uh, that kind of uh, makes me a little nervous. Because personally, <laughs> I would have liked... I would have liked... Makes me very nervous. I, I would have liked one of these guys. Not, not maybe... Uh, you know, I, I told Nick a while ago on the show, I, I would have liked a Holtby even. I, w- I would have liked a Markstrom for sure. That would make me feel very safe and comfortable, especially with the fucking clown carousel show we saw in the last playoffs with the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, if, if, if Grubauer's a good goalie, fine. But is he a reliable and, uh, and injury-free goalie? Uh, it doesn't appear so. So, uh, so that makes me really scared. Maybe he's got some other tricks up his sleeve at, at like, you know, trade deadline. I don't know. But uh, I think it's something that he will eventually get to. That being said, Joe Sackick has had a killer, killer offseason so far. And, uh, and I have nothing but faith in him. Nothing but faith. This guy only makes great deals. So I'm sure he knows what he's doing. But I, I, would, be, I would feel so good if Grubauer was like a 1B or a number 2. But hey, well, here we are. Yeah, I think, I think the Avalanche should have made a move for one of these goaltenders. I mean... Like, I, I think Grubauer's a competent goalie, but again, like, with that team around them, like, all they need is really, like, if they got, like, a Jacob Markstrom, like, that team could win the cup next year. They still can with Grubauer, but I just think that, like, you need a number one goalie. Grubauer's not a number one goalie. I think they're already the favorite to win the cup next year, eh? um, yes. by the odds makers. Well, yeah, but that's a sucker's bet. The odds makers just think that that that's, that's all hype. I mean, we that, that's Vegas. That's what Vegas likes to do, but... I still don't think that Philip Grubauer can. I don't know. Let, let's let's dive in there. Like I, I know we I said chronological, but I, I prefer going for just segues based on where the conversation's headed. So Kyle mentioned the two trades Sack made, uh, one of which being Brennan Sod and a man by the name of Gilbert to Colorado uh, for a Zador for yeah Nikita Zadorov and an Anton Lindholm. And then he, they get Devon Taves from the Islanders oh, for two second-round picks. Which is ridiculous I, 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 lo- I love both picks. So, for, so just for, to Devon Taves' trade is fantastic for Colorado. That guy's a top-four defenseman, and he's solid. And just to comment, if anyone thinks that Lou Lamorello is a good GM still, after getting rid of a top-four defenseman for, a, for like two second-round picks – it is ridiculous. So I love that trade because there's a lot of idiots on Twitter that say, oh, well, if the Leafs still had Lou, they wouldn't be in this cap situation. Yeah, my ass. That guy forgot how to become be a GM after New Jersey won its third Stanley Cup. So, you know, I, I actually really love that trade for Colorado, and I love it because it hurts the Islanders. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. Watching the Islanders in the playoffs, I hadn't watched enough of them, but then come the playoffs, seeing, uh, he got injured, Devon Taves, but seeing him in the playoffs, him and Pollock were obviously their two best D. Taves being a little more defensive savvy, whereas Pollock being the more offensive threat. Uh, um, but yeah, very, very great, good trade for them. 
aggressive, but a good trade nonetheless. And then uh, getting rid of Zadorov, I mean, you need to clear cap space. You have young rookie defense and coming up like Timmons and uh, Kyle's boy. Um, Bo Byram. Bo Byram. So, I mean, with the young kids who are going to be coming up, only getting paid 700 k a year, makes sense to get rid of that, that Russian who's just taking up too much money on your back end and too slow to keep up with the other guys. So it's a good deal. And they get Brendan Saad, like a, like a veteran Stanley Cup winner. And I think uh, uh, Jonathan Taves' comments say everything you need to know about that. So why don't you get into yeah. that, Michael? Because I know you were talking about that earlier. Um, so I'll start by saying that in the early 2010s, I was one of those people who would argue that Jonathan Taves was a top three player in the league. Uh, I firmly believe that the core of that Chicago team, even now, is sufficient to go ahead and, and compete in the playoffs. And I think the comments Jonathan Taves made uh, following these trades are telling because at the end of the day, this team is not ready to rebuild. I, I'm thoroughly... Like, I, I'm so behind Jonathan Taves making these comments. I think both him and Patrick Kane are still in their prime. Um, I think Duncan Keith is still an effective defenseman. And I think that management has given up on them and has thrown in the towel for this upcoming year and possibly the years in the future to try to do a rebuild. And I'm very disappointed to see that because, I don't know, it's – we're talking about two players who defined the NHL for like six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see them given up on is just a travesty in my opinion. And it's going to cause a lot of problems, Mike, because I read into this story a little bit too, because um, they all have no movement clauses. So if yep. they don't want to go anywhere, they're not going to go anywhere. And if, if management wants to rebuild, how can you rebuild with all of your core guys with no movement clauses, you know, like they have doc and that's great. I think they blew their first rounder this year. And, uh, and now you're just in limbo. You're, you're in the middle ground. And, uh, and it sounds like Taves and company, they want to keep going and, uh, and management has other plans. So it's must be frustrating for a Blackhawks fan because you don't know what to do here, but uh, I'm with you. I I think after what I saw against Edmonton, they've got some, some, some life in them still. So, I'm sure those guys wanted to see them make a move that made them better and, and kind of gave the the team reward. But this just seems like, all right, boys, uh, it's time to settle it down here. It's time to backtrack. Chicago, which isn't cool. They're just a bad defensive team. Yeah. And, and they have no goaltending. That's their problem. Crawford's but gone they, now, that's too. That's the big one. Like, I look at – how the fuck do you ice a team with Colin Delia – and Malcolm Subban is your one-two punch. Oh. How do you if you're if you're Jonathan Taves? How do you have any confidence in that? Well, and and that's the thing, right? Is they've done such a good job of picking up these pieces that other teams had given up on. Alex Nylander from Buffalo, Dylan Strom from Arizona. Like they they'd gone out and they picked up these young forwards who had high ceilings and brought them in to their organization to be these supporting pieces for Taves and Kane and to learn from them so that once Taves and Kane 
aged out of the system, they could sort of sub these players in, players who, for the most part, had similar types of ceilings and, and could fill similar roles. And then after they embarrassed Edmonton, who was projected to win the cup by a lot of experts out there, um, they just they flipped the switch and they've decided that they're going <laughs> to, you know, just throw in the towel for this this next year. And I, I think Malcolm Subban is a solid backup goaltender. I saw what he did in Vegas. I was a huge fan of his, and, and I think he could have been really good in that system as a, as a backup goaltender. In oh, Chicago. But letting Corey Crawford go, trading away Saad, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm about as pissed off as Jonathan Taves is right now, and you don't hear that guy express himself very often. Oh, and, like, their forward core is, like, it, it's still pretty good. Like, I mean, Dominic Kubalik at, like, 3.7 is a bargain to me. And then, like, you have, like, mm-hmm. Henry Goff who's really, really good. And I agree with you. They've done a great job of, like, repurposing guys like Nylander and Strom. So they have a good, like, offense. The scoring's not their problem. It's just their defense is, like, Duncan Keys is 37 years old. And then outside of that, you have DeHaan, Murphy, Zadaroff, and I think, like, Boquist is on that team. Like, that, like, that defense core is not keeping anything out of the net. No. And then you have Malcolm Subban and Nets. So oh. I, I, I understand taste frustration because it's like, fuck, you're giving up on us. Because really, like, if Chicago could go out there and got one of these goaltenders and maybe improved a bit in the back end, like, there's still a threat, like, to make the wild card spot for the playoffs. Like, their offense is a good – they're good. And we saw that against Edmonton. Like, they can score. It's just they don't have defense or goaltending. And it's sad because, like, I understand, like, to probably get better defensively, they're going to have to move on from one of Taves or Kane. But like you said, I'm pretty sure – that both Kane and Taves have no movement clauses. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they both do. So how the yeah. fuck are you going to build a team when you have two guys that are locked up for like, you know, 40% of your cap is locked up in two guys. Like, what are you going to do? And I guess that – and it doesn't help these teams either. The cap is completely flat now with COVID. So. I, 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 I'll make a prediction. I'm not convinced these are the two goalies they head into the season with. They will do something that you cannot start your yeah, season yeah. opener – with these Same, two you goalies. can't ice the team like that. You, you, you can't. It's embarrassing. One guy doesn't know. Both guys don't know what it's like to be a starter. Chris Sparks is available. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, boy. Nick, un- unless, serious uh, concern. Un- unless Chicago comes out with a letter like the Rangers did with their rebuild, this is not going to happen. Like you said, they're not going to go with these goalies. But I don't see that happening either. So who knows? It's also a team that gives up like 37 shots a game. Is one of the worst defensive teams in the league. This team's going to have like a seven or an eight beside their name every night. <laughs> yes, it's yes, going to be yes. intramural hockey all over again. I can't wait. Hey, your fantasy nights go against Chicago all exactly. the time. All the time. Load them up. Daily fantasy, load them up. <laughs> it's just, it's so sad to see that organization organization come to this after what they did and they beat Edmonton amazing oh well beating Edmonton was a highlight of my summer it was fantastic <laughs> <laughs> love that you, you oh, know what you're gonna win the cup for the best Canadian team they're by and far ahead of all the other teams oh, you're, you're you're a really cynical guy you know that Joe you're really cynical <laughs> oh I'm not cynical at all I just, I just love it I love it you you hate other teams more than you love your own that's not true well maybe <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's move into the Edmonton situation. Okay, what do we got? Um, yes, they did. They did so move. well. They did so well. Tyson Berry, one year, three point seven mil. What did you think, Joe? 
<laughs> so, so my, so, so my point about this is just like Edmonton needs defense. They need defensive defensemen. Signing Tyson Berry is not going to help that. And, and, and I don't understand. Like, there's a lot of people. It's always great for the power play, but they already have the number one power play in the league. So, what benefit does Tyson Berry bring for your team now? Unless your logic is he had a rough go in Toronto. You know, maybe he just needs a change of scenery. Uh, you know, the media was too hard in Toronto. If he thinks he's going to do with the level-headed Edmonton media, he's fucking crazy. They're just as bad as they are in Toronto at Edmonton. So that's not true. So I don't like the signing for Edmonton. I laughed. It was funny to see him go to Edmonton, but I don't think that's what Edmonton needs. Edmonton needs defense. They need to keep the puck out of their own net. And maybe that's due to their horrible goaltending tandem too, but they need to keep the puck out of the net. So I don't see how Tyson Berry in any way improves the Edmonton Oilers, other than the fact that you now have – I guess another person on your power play that can score. But again, they have the number one power play in the league. So what's the point of signing this guy? (laughs) So yeah, I think the only reason they even took a look at Barry is for one reason in particular, because Clef Baum, who's their number one power play defenseman, may or may not, I think he is out for the whole year. So that could really throw a wrench in their whole season. They wanted to protect, protect against that. Uh, and then I think they're going to shelter him five on five. Because like you said, you don't want to trust him. They need defensive guys. He's not that. So they, they picked him up one year, 3.75, run the power play, and then fucking go hide on the bench. I think that's what their, their main uh, motto was for that. I, I was talking to a guy the other day. He called Tyson Berry a DH. <laughs> He's basically like Vladimir Guerrero. Like you, you can't field him. But he'll swing, and, and this guy, he'll give you your power play production. But has three hacks to hit a home run. Other than yeah. that, he's striking out. And Barry striking out is giving up a breakaway pass in the third period. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. This, this is another head-scratcher for me. Like, I, I will give them this. They've never had a PP1. Like, Nurse and Clefbaum always were kind of like a PP-by-committee kind of guy. They never had a natural, gifted power play guy to be with McDavid, and they finally got it. So I'll give them that. But they're the worst. They're the, arguably one of the worst defensive teams in the league, and he's only going to hamper you, right? Well, like it's. But the thing is, it's like you know you want him to perform in your power play. But Tyson Berry had time on the power play one unit of Toronto too, which isn't slouchy either. It had Tavares, uh, you know, Matthews, Nylander, Marner on that power play, and he didn't produce offensively on the Leafs. So I mean, obviously, I, I guess you know with McDavid and Drysdale, it might be a different story, but. You know, if Edmonton's hoping for a fucking savior back there with Clefbaum out, I don't know if Tyson Berry is the guy. Like, I've just, I've just seen too much of him this year to know that he's just simply not the guy. And we were in Montreal. Do you remember that? He took the shot and hit off the shin of some guy, and Ilya Kovalchuk went back the other way and scored a goal. And I used to give Barry the benefit of the doubt prior to that, but after watching Ilya Kovalchuk score in the Bell Center and getting yelled at by Montreal fans behind me, an overtime winner, I've never given him any respect after that again. He's just a horrible defensive player. Just horrible. Like, it's, it, it, it's comical. Like, it's comical how bad he was defensive. I, I got to add one thing. I have to. The, he needs some credit here. Tyson Berry since 2014, wow. 2015. No, no, no. Hear, hear me out. 2014-2015 has been on pace for over 50 points or has reached 50 points four times since yeah, 2015. Nice, nice fantasy stats there. This guy, That's he, about he, it. He, he's great. built to run a top power play, but they don't That's want him to. Defend. 
They're gonna they're, they're gonna hide I'll him. Give you gonna hide him. All I'll give you, Kyle, is I'll be the first guy in our fantasy draft next year picking Tyson Berry. Oh, I'll be picking sure. him right away. Is your league have plus minus because uh, you're in our league? Am, am I? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got mocked. Hey, hey, listen. I got here last year. Listen up. But uh, no, I'll, I'll I'll happily take the 28 power play points that Tyson Berry's gonna get. So uh, that'll be great. But I agree. From the Edmund perspective, it's bad, and I think it's even worse. When, you know, we've talked tonight about teams that didn't solve their goaltending, Colorado and Chicago. How about re-signing Mike Smith to a one-year, $2 million deal? Are you oh, fucking man. kidding me, me right and now? Mike Smith, and he's just a fucking piece of shit. He's an awful goalie. Come on, oh. man. Come on. So, that's that a, belongs in beer league. He looks like, that's he looks a low like blow, a man. Goalie. No, that's Mike Smith blow. belongs at Sports Village in Vaughn on a Sunday night <laughs> playing with 45-year-old guys. He's going to dive out of the creek. Oh. He's a horrible goaltender. Horrible. There's nothing, there's no saving grace about Mike Smith. Maybe he's good puck handling skills. I'll give him that. Every announcer, he's got great puck handling <laughs> skills. That's good, but keep the puck out of the net. Him and Nico Koskinen might be one of the worst one-two tandems in the league. Awful. And that, that was Shirelli's parting gift. That was part, yeah, exactly. Koskinen deal. <laughs> I never yeah. thought that I would be the one here defending Tyson Berry and Miko Koskinen, but or not Miko Koskinen, Mike Smith. But I got to jump in here. Um, jump in. Tyson Berry, I mean, like, he was an effective defenseman in Colorado for years. And I know that Colorado's got a lot to shelter him behind, but <clears throat> so does Edmonton. Right? Yeah, oh, sure. Like, you, 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 can, you can pop him in behind McDavid and Dreisaitl. You can put him in the offensive zone and just let him, let him do that. And then if you have to lean on your defensive zone, like Ethan Bear and Adam Larson, you know, Ethan you can put them Bear. in. Come on. You're asking, you're asking too much. Asking you're asking too much. much. No, hey, I hey, know. listen. I don't know. I think, I think at, the, at this point they know what they're getting with Barry. They're not going to expect him to be a shutdown guy. They know, they know what they're getting out of him, and they know what they're going to. I hated watching him in Toronto. I hated it because I test he fails every time. Even on the power play, you watch you watch what he does, and it's it's painful to watch because as far as facilitating goes, Morgan Riley was the better player, and he sh- they should have been putting him on the number one power play. But you wanted to Tyson see Barry can do it. That's what they're going to expect him to do. Um, Mike Smith, I think, when he was in Arizona, was one of the top three players on the ice for them every night, and he's got oh. that resume. <laughs> Come on, man! Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm just on. saying these are these are players who are serviceable. On any other team, we're not critiquing them to the point that they're being critiqued. But on Edmonton, because they have McDavid, because they have Drysaitel, and because of how poorly they performed over the past little bit, given the fact that they have those two players, Smith I think we're putting expectations on that team. Because he's supposed to be a starting goalie for them. That's why he's being critiqued. He's not a starting goaltender anymore in the NHL. I'm just sorry. Like, this is arguably the most disappointing team that got ousted out of the playoffs. And what did the GM do to remunerate the situation? Absolutely. He signed a very big defensive liability, which I know he helped the power play, but the two don't equate. Next. And then you don't solve the glaring need in goal, which was is glaring. It was just glaring to a kindergartner, like in that in that in that playoffs. I think that's yeah, like criticism. They were, they were, um, what did they do? They I'll tell you what they strong. did. They wouldn't give them the extra year, though. Nick, you know what they did? They did. 
this general manager did something that no one else could. He lured Jesse Pool Party back to the Oilers, who has signed, and all of a sudden you've got your fourth overall pick back. You've got Kyle Turris, who's signed for 1.6, a bargain deal at, as a third-line center. That's he a just steal. got bought out. That's fine. Wow, their, their problem is not that. Their problem is defense. They had to address the defensive liabilities they have. There's Tyson Berry does not coming. do that. Kyle Turris doesn't Evan, do that. Evan Bouchard. Evan Bouchard is on the way. I'll tell He's you ready. What, Kyle. He's ready. If, if they sign Hoffman, then we can talk about this again. But hey, until they do something do they, drastic, they don't I, need Hoffman. I don't care. I'll tell you I what. I just you, think that'd you, be cool. You guys are going to be sorry when Barry puts up 60 points at, at the fucking 3.75. There's... I wouldn't be shocked if he put up 60 in his sleep with that power play. He's absolutely that's a that's a steal if he does. I'll that do an, I'll do an over I'll do an over under with you. I'll, I'll do an over under with you. I think Barry's going to get under 45 points this year. No chance. I don't okay, see a no. possible chance in hell that happens. No I'm way. I'm taking over every time. Over He's every single time. Fucking garbage. Do a, Nick, do what do you this? say, Nick? Add, another, say, add Nick? another pitcher to the equation. Maybe Nick, not 45, I'll set the line at 50. I'll set the line no, at no, no, Hold no, on, you no, said 45. No, 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 no. 45. Actually, 45. no, we can't do a bet because we still don't know how long the season is. That's so true. that's, okay, that's a fine. huge factor. We could do pace, though. Barry is a shinny hockey player. He belongs at, again, Sports Village in Vaughn, him and Mike Smith, playing, playing shinny hockey. That's where they belong. I say we table this for when we find out how long the season is, and then we can revisit it. But it sounds like we know where we're all coming from. Me and Joe are a little more skeptical, and for good reason. Tyson Berry at 3.75 will do the job. You're going to take him in fantasy, Kyle? I wish I could. I probably won't, but I, I, he's on my radar. How about that? I'd take, okay. I'd take Shattenkirk okay. over, uh, over Barry. Hey, hey, when, when, Sheldon Keith became, when Sheldon Keith became coach, Barry was on pace for over 50 points. Again. Again. Right, he was, but again, like if you watch his play in the defensive zone, which is what Edmonton needs, he was horrible, just but for, atrocious. But for three point seven five one year, I think it's a bargain. Well, if the if the goal is to replace Clefbaum on your power play and get the points, sure. But again, that doesn't make Edmonton a better team. They're just no, patching, perhaps not. Perhaps they're, patching, perhaps they're putting a lot of yeah. They're putting a lot of faith in Darnell Nurse and Adam Larson, I think, to be defensive stalwarts. I think Ethan Bear, they're counting on to have a little bit of a mean streak, come out and play a bit of a two-way game. Um, Don't you think Evan Bouchard, we'll see if he makes the jump to the NHL, but who knows? If you're relying on Ethan Bear, isn't your team in a bit of a pickle? Like, if that's like, well, we got to rely on Ethan Bear tonight. <laughs> Like I, I was shocked when, when you have the I best think TSN in the world. put him as a second pairing defenseman when they were projecting lines for Canadian teams before free agency. So Bears good, man. Bears I, I, good. He's 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 a mediocre. He's okay. It's all right. He's the top four for sure. He's from Saskatchewan. I don't know if he's a top four. He's a gritty guy. He's from Saskatchewan, but I don't know if he's a top four. What other team he played top four in other than Edmonton? All right. Uh, Let's move right, on. Nick. Let's get Joe excited. I want to get Joe excited. What do you mean? He's not already excited? This was all, this was all foreplay. Oh, yeah. God. I don't know if I can okay. handle this. Okay. So let's go through all the Leafs moves. I think I counted seven, which is aggressive. I've, I don't remember an offseason where they made as many moves like so early. 
You know what that means is that they've fucked up in the past. <laughs> You're not wrong. That's not that's not a false. All right, Wayne Simmons. One year, one point five. Um, Zach Bogosian. One year, one mil. Jimmy VC. One year, nine hundred k. Aaron Dell. One year, 800K. They trade Andreas Janssen for some prospect from New Jersey. And they sign a guy called Travis Boyd, who I have no idea who he is. (laughs) And then, of course, the biggest move, TJ Brody, four years at 5 million AAV. So what do you make of all this, Joe? Where do you want to start? I'll let you lead this convo. So uh, I think this is like, I think, I think this was like, we talked about the last time I was on the podcast. This was the most important off season for young Kyle Dubas. It was the most important off season as a general manager. And one more more thing, even after the Amarov pick, you were like, I don't care who they took. I don't know much about this kid, but Dubas is going to right every wrong on Friday. As you told me. Yeah, and I and I think he had a great free agency. I think Wayne Simmons at one point. I think that the, one of the main things Dubas said in the offseason and what I've been saying is that the Leafs need to be a team that's tougher to play against. They need guys that are going to muck it up, go in the corners. Not necessarily guys like Brian Reeves that are going to fight, but guys that aren't afraid to get into puck battles and battles. Something that you know you can play playoff hockey. I think Wayne Simmons is exactly the type of guy the Leafs are looking for. Zach Bogosian just coming off a cup run with Tampa Bay, a team that plays a very similar style to the Maple Leafs. He can slot in on the bottom pair. Um, And I think the biggest signing of them all, obviously, was TJ Brody. TJ Brody is the most reliable partner Morgan Raleigh has had since old man Hainsey was with with them. And I think that this is going to allow Morgan Riley to be Morgan Riley, where he doesn't have to cover for someone like Cody Ceci. Uh, I think this is going to allow him to expand his offensive game. And I think Brody's going to be the guy where in the playoffs, when I need a puck to get clear out of the zone, he'll clear the puck. Mm. He's actually one of the best at not turning over the puck in their zone, which is one of the biggest problems the Leafs had on defense. Um, so now if you look at the Leafs top four, it's Morgan Riley and um, Morgan Riley and TJ Brody, Muzzin and Dermott. And then the bottom pair is going to be Hall and a combination of uh, Sandin, uh, Mikko Lekanen, who looks really good in the KHL and someone like Bogosian. So now all of a sudden this Leafs team that was so weak on defense seems to have a lot of depth on the defensive end. And they, they just become better with these trades. They just become a, they're going to be a tougher team to play against next year. They're still going to score because their top lines are great. Nick Robertson's going to play. The only thing that was a little bit questionable to me was the return they got for Andreas Janssen. I thought they could have gotten a bit more uh, for him, but I guess that was just a salary dump. But overall, I think Kyle Dubas did a fantastic job. During free, I think this was the offseason that we all wanted them to see. They got their defensemen. They got some more toughness. Like, I think the Leafs, you know, with all due respect, I think they won free agency. I think they did a good job. And even Aaron Dell, that's a good depth goalie signing. You know, I, all, right, I, all right, all right, all right. Two questions and one critique. My first question is, Brody to me was always like a more offensive guy when I saw him in Calgary, like a puck mover, quick on his feet, very Dubas style. That's why I wasn't surprised to see the signing. But did I ever get the impression that he was like a stopper? No. So explain to me what Brody has that our good friend Tyson Berry lacked. 
Like how are like how are they different? He's more responsible defensively. Like he in the defensive zone in terms of like puck turnovers and stopping people from passing the puck to other people because underlying numbers are great. Whereas Tyson Berry was always a great offensive defenseman. Even Colorado, his underlying numbers weren't the best. Tyson, like TJ Brody is not like an Alex Petrangelo where you know he's like a bona fide stopper. He still has an offensive element to his game, but he's just more, he's more of a stay-at-home defenseman than Tyson Berry was. He's just better overall defensively when it comes to like breaking up passes and not turning over the puck, which is something the Leafs desperately had a problem with, turning over the puck in their defensive zone. So he'll, he'll, he'll get rid of that. TJ Brody is, is, a, is a solid top four defenseman. He's not Alex Petrangelo, but I think he's the partner that Morgan Riley needs, and he's what Dubas could afford. Because if you look at the Petrangelo contract, what is it, 8.8 by 7? That would have crippled the lease for like six years. They wouldn't have been able to do anything. They wouldn't have been able to sign Morgan back. They wouldn't have been able to find a goalie. So I think TJ Brody is exactly the defenseman the Leafs need. Someone who's, someone who's going to be at least a sturdy partner for Morgan Rowley. Like, you know, I mean, Morgan Rowley's had to deal with in the past two years, an old Ron Hainsey and fucking Cody Ceci. So this is going to let Morgan be Morgan Rowley. Yeah, no, and I, and I read some articles, watched some tape of him. His impression has grown on me the last several days. And I do agree. Other than Petrangelo, I think he was the best D-man on the board. Tanev gets, gets injured too much. Um, guys like Hamannick are washed up. I, I, I just think th- th- this was the guy to target, and they got him at a pretty good clip. So uh, I, I, I won't complain about that. My other question, who, who is Travis Boyd? I've, I've heard he's an analytical darling. Can you school me on Travis Boyd? I have no fucking idea who Travis Boyd is. And I saw that sign and I was like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. So I also have no idea. But I also hear that he is good, has good underlying numbers, which is, seems like a very Dubas-esque signing. So we'll see. But the, the, the bottom two lines of the Leafs is going to be very interesting this year because we know who the top two is going to be. The bottom line is going to be a combination of there's Engball in there. You got Spezza, Simmons, um, that guy Barbanoff that we don't know who he is, right? So there's going to be a lot of shuffling on the third and fourth lines for the Maple Leafs. But again, like I said, like I think, I think like Wayne Simmons doesn't make the Leafs, you know, all around, you know, uh, uh, you know the, the toughest team there, but they just add something oh, yeah. that they lack, no. which was toughness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love, love the Simmons move. The, the character in the room is going to be great. Guy. Why not? I, I know well, that's the, yeah. the guy wants to play here. Why not? Yeah. I know there's still talk about Thornton, but if they don't get Thornton, Simmons is a consolation prize. I like that. Um, Jimmy VC, that's a Pierre darling, so I'll give Pierre the benefit of the doubt that maybe he can plug in and pitch in some goals. But, but the Aaron Dell one was weird for me because take it from a guy who's watched about you know 20 San Jose Shark Aaron Dell games, this guy's a joke. Ugh. Undersized, not technically sound. Buckle up for the Aaron Dell show if he makes it up to the NHL. When they signed him, I said, there's no way this guy's coming up. Uh, he's probably just an NHL. addition to the Marlies. That's, all, yeah. that's all he is. He's there just to mentor those kids who struggled last year in the Marlies. Uh, he's there in case Campbell or Freddie gets hurt and hope to God he doesn't start a game because Aaron Dell is a I – th- I, I was shocked he's even in the league anymore. I, 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 I think – I think Dubas is pretty happy with Jack Campbell. And, and from the limited body of work we've seen, Jack Campbell with the Leafs, he's been pretty good. Yeah. Do you guys have anything to add? Um, just the VC Kerfoot connection. They're both Harvard boys. Right. Um, I think they were, they were brought in. Well, VC was brought in not just as a player who could add a little bit to our third or fourth line, but uh, also as a player who has that connection with Kerfoot 
Um, I really like the Bogosian signing, and I'm I'm sort of with you, Nick, on this one uh, as far as Brody goes. He has been known to be physically a little soft, um, which doesn't necessarily mean that he's a bad defender. I mean, uh, from what I've read and from what I've seen, he's got great gap control, um, really great breakout passes, good good at moving the puck forward, um, but just doesn't bring the physical element, which is something that people have harped on the Leafs for not having. So we'll see how he plays in a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform. But, uh, yeah, I think Dubas did a good job. And, t- and taking the fact that Nikita Zaitsev, who lose signed for 4.5, is somehow making only 500K less than TJ Brody. Like, is that not insane? Well, like- and, and speaking of comparables, I mean, Tanev was – a name that was uh, tossed around a lot by Leafs fans. And he's making 4.5 as well uh, for same term. And more likely than not, by the third or fourth year of his contract, Tanev will be so banged up from blocked shots and injuries that he might not be as effective of a defender as Brody will be at that time. Yeah, I think we can like all agree that like like Dubas, Dubas recognized that there was a problem with the Leafs team. And instead of standing pat... I'll give it to him that he went out and got what he thought he needed. Like I, my biggest fear, and as a staunch Dubas supporter, you know, guys that I am, I was, I was scared that he would stand pat and not do anything and just say is, Oh, I, you know, I have faith in this team, but no, things had to be done. He got his defenseman. He got some toughness. I love the Bogosian signing as well. I think that's a, I think that's such like when people talk about Dubas being like a Corsi guy, I know for a fact, he's not all a Corsi guy because remember he signed Cloud Clifford. He was not an analytics darling. And now he's, he's brought in Jake Musson, who also wasn't an analytics darling. And now he's brought in um, Wayne Simmons and um, Zach Bogosian, who both aren't analytics darling. But he understands that these are intangibles that the Leafs need. The Leafs need some grit, some sandpaper in their lineup. And I think that's great. Like, I think they're definitely, after these signings, a tougher team to and, play. And the big pursuit of Thornton, right? I don't know if it'll happen, but just the fact they're so arduent yeah. about getting love. This Jason Spezza signing, league minimum, hometown guy, wants to play for the team, great veteran. The guys love him. Why not bring him back? Like, why not? Like, I love that he signed him back. And the Jimmy VC signing, like, I don't know what to make of that. Like, he wasn't very good in Buffalo, and he wasn't very good in New York. But, like, he still has some sort of talent where he can chip in on the third or He's, he's, he's a dart you're ready to throw at the exactly. dartboard. Exactly. And, and that, that's what all these exactly. bottom six signings you know are. What right? like, yeah. You know what Hyman – Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Tavares, all those guys, you know what all those guys are going to bring. Marner, you know what all those guys are going to bring. It's the bottom six of the Leafs that was concerning to me in the playoffs that didn't chip in. And if you're not going to chip in, at least throw a hit. And now Dubas is probably like, well, you know what? Even if these guys aren't going to score, they're going to be able to at least try to get it on the inside of people and to be a tougher team to play against. And Dubas even said, we want to be tougher to play against. Yeah. And I think he did, but I think he did a great job this offseason. You, 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 want, you want options. You want, you want guys in the bottom six on the hot seat saying, Oh shit, if I don't produce, this guy's going to take my spot. And they didn't have that depth last year. Now they have they depth. also have depth in the bottom pairing where it's like, well, Justin Hall, you're not guaranteed to start every night. I can throw Sandin in there. I can throw Lekkanen in there. I can throw, I can throw Bogosian in there. I can throw any of you guys in there. So it's like, it's good, healthy competition. You know, he recognized that, yes, there are, you need, he finally recognized that, yes, you do need skill to win. You can't have be an all third line like Montreal is. You can't be just a glorified third line like the Montreal Canadiens are. But you do need uh, some sort of depth, you know. And, and I think well, I think you recognize that. He did, yeah. he did well. He, I'm excited he, to, I think he to did see well. what uh, Lennon can do as well. I think 
it'll be interesting to see if he can make the leap to the NHL and everything I've heard um, both personally and like through news sources is that this guy's going to be a stud. I heard but that. As I, well. Mike, I heard that as well. I heard people are like saying that this guy could be like a top four guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear that every year. Yeah, no, I hear that every year with a bunch of KHL guys that come over and usually they end up going back in about a month or two. Um, but uh, no, I, you know what? Uh, I'm a level-headed NHL fan, right? I, I can I can acknowledge when Dubas has gonna, done a good job. Uh, he's made the team more likable, in my opinion. I, I used to be a staunch Leaf supporter, and then I wasn't. And now, you know, he's he's won me back a little bit. Like, yes, you have less skill than you did last year. Objectively, on paper, you've lost sure. Kapanen, you've sure. lost Janssen. There's less skill. That's fine. You got Simmons. You got this. These are the right moves to make. Um, and, and I really like the direction that he's, he's, he's kind of like looked at his own path and he said, okay, this hasn't worked. He's adapted, which is all I ask from a general manager adapt. And it looks like he's able to do that. So I'm really happy with that. Uh, the goalie situation's good. I'm, I'm happy with Freddie. I'm, I'm really happy with Brody. This is the mark he got. I, I don't know if, if Simmons is going to move the needle too much. Uh, in terms of in terms of the score sheet or anything like that, I think those years are behind him. But this Brody guy, he's a reliable guy. I think Morgan Riley's over the moon, um, and and I, I can really vibe with that with that signing. And and it is a good term and it's a good value for him. Um, and then yeah, I mean it's just you know it's a likable team now. It's not just all flash. They they did what they did well. Minus a little bit of skill, up a little bit of character. Everyone raves about Simmons' character, which I love. And, uh, and now we've got hometown guys who yeah. want to play for the team, right? So, so that, that's cool. Fan, I know Toronto fans, like, from, like, look who, like, Toronto's legends are of the past 20 years. Like, not legends, but most loved players. If anyone mentions the name Darcy Tucker or Ty Domi, they're all just like, yeah, we love those guys who are great hockey players. But they weren't great hockey players. They were just tough and gritty. And Toronto loves a good, mm-hmm. tough, and gritty guy. That Toronto loves that. So Simmons, I think, will slot in very well. And to your point, Kyle, I think that was very well said. Um, I think that the Leafs downgraded in skill because they know they have a surplus of skill on the first two lines. What they needed, the Leafs needed, were intangibles. They needed sandpaper. They needed toughness. And you're right. Simmons isn't going to score 20 goals. He's not going to score probably 15 goals. But you know what he does at? He'll throw a hit, and he'll get in the corner. And that's something that – the Leafs have been missing for two years. Also, I, I just wanted like, how much of a steal was trading Kasperi Kapanen for a first round pick? Like, oh, like I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know if Jim Rutherford is senile. Yeah, Jim, or he's he's senile. Yes, exactly. It's like he's lost it. Man. Like he's lost I mean, it. A, a first round pick, a Kasperi <laughs> Kapanen. Listen, I like Kasperi Kapanen, but what Kasperi Kapanen is is a very good third line player. That's what he is. That's all he is. Yeah. And my friend Josh thinks, oh, he's going to score 30 with Crosby. He's not scoring 30 with Crosby. No, God, no. 20 goals. That's what he's going to do. And you know what? He's a fast player. He'll be good in your penalty kill, but he's not worth a first-round pick. I can tell you that. This Jim Rutherford guy is worse of a GM than any four of us. Guaranteed. He's a joke. He's too old for this. He's too old for He's ruining the team. What about the Patrick Hornquist for Michael Matheson? Was that ridiculous as well? For like a million dollars less cap, it was that not also ridiculous? Like I, I don't and know. He didn't how even realize. 
He didn't even realize he was not making any cap room there. He, he got rid of a heart and soul guy who's done nothing but bleed for this team for two guys who don't move the fucking needle. Like, what the fuck? Sense like so is is he really playing Kapanen in the first line with Crosby? Like I I've seen Kapanen play in the first line with Austin Matthews and John Tavares, and I'm not saying that any of them are better than Crosby. But Matthews is a top five, top six center in the league. He hasn't produced with either of them, so I don't know what he's gonna do over there. But and it's I'm just saying it's not worth the first round pick. I think he thought he was getting Lilligren instead of Lindgren. <laughs> He fucked up in his mind. He thought he was getting Lilligren instead of Lindgren, and they were like, "Oh, oh my good god!" Like Jim, you fucked up. It was the wrong guy. Honestly, that situation is. I think ownership needs to step in now. I, I think it's 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 something needs He's to go down. He's unfit to be the GM. Yeah. that's the right word. I'm... And it's sad, but it's true. It's absolutely true. I hear you. He's lost, He's lost capacity. <laughs> They need to put the 25th Amendment in, get him out of there, he's done. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. okay, so Kyle. Yes. You're a marketing major. You're a okay. what they'd call a businessman. EMOS major. Yeah. Kyle, are actually a marketing major? Uh, in a way, yes. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you expect less of young Kyle? <laughs> No, I had no idea. I, I honestly pictured Kyle as a guy. I thought you had an MBA, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, <look>. come on. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, I preface my question by saying, sell me on why Mark Bergevin has had a better offseason than young Kyle Dubas. Join the fray, my friend. If I can sum it up really quickly, and then I'll sum it up in a, in a, larger, in a larger frame. Um, I said the Leafs got tougher to play against, but they lost some skill. The Habs have gotten a lot tougher to play against and have gained a lot of skill. I mean, uh, if you look at it, first of all, I'm just going to go kind of chron- chronologically. Joel Edmondson, you shore up the blue line on a nice deal. We've talked about this. You're on board with this deal. He's going to fit in on your second, maybe third pairing, and you're laughing. Nick will, will, will be remiss to not mention Jake Evans, 750K. You, you better start asking him for some money, Nick. Uh, good old uh, friend of yours. Uh, and then the whole Domi trade. Okay, so I don't know what Joe's fucking beef with this trade is because I, as soon as our conversation was done on Facebook, I called Nick and I said, Nick, am I crazy or is this not like a great trade? And he goes, yeah, this is a great trade, man. I don't know what Joe's talking about. So it's like, Domi, you've got like four Domis. You've got a bunch of guys who can make plays, small, feisty. That, you've always had that. All right? What, you do, what you've never had for like the last 10 years is a guy like Anderson who can put up 20-plus goals. If you're, if, you're, this, if you're talking about a guy who, who strikes fear into players' minds, this guy flying down the wing, wing at six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds, who can fire the puck, like, and he's he's twenty six. You've got him in his prime. He's healthy now. Um, he's a playoff guy. You want slot him into your second line. Yet you're just laughing. Slot him into your oh, first playoff line. guy. He has eight he career is, playoff points. What are you talking about? You, you are will see the him. playoffs. You will see him in the playoffs perform. I promise you that. I promise you. Assuming you get in. You will get... 
Oh my, see, this is what I don't understand, Joe, because you, you're all on board with the Simmons deal because you add some toughness. Now you've got Anderson coming in who adds toughness and a, a, a skill set that they've never had, and you're like up in arms. It's crazy. Well, counterpoint is that the Habs don't have anyone on the skill level. There's not a player on the Habs right now that is better than Mitch Marner. There's not one player on the Habs that's better than Mitch Marner. They don't have that. The Leafs have the skill. They just needed to round it out with some toughness. Montreal has good players. Suzuki is a good player. Kakanyemi is a good player. They don't have any superstars. They don't have a first-line center. Josh Anderson, no one is scared of Josh Anderson flying. I, yes, the the serious thing I have about Josh Anderson is him accidentally high-sticking Mitch Marner in the eye, and he gets a Chris, <laughs> and he gets Chris Pronger for his career. That's the scariest part of Josh Anderson to me. Because Mitch oh, Marner and, and Austin Mads are going to skate around him four times a year. Josh Anderson can skate like the wind. What are you saying? Josh Anderson is going to get danced by John Tavares, Mitch Miner, no four times a year. No way. You, got, you guys, the only reason why the Habs beat the Leafs four, three times last year is because Michael Hutchinson was starting for three of those games. <laughs> oh, Campbell started no one. No way, no way, no way. You got the Habs. The problem with the Habs is they are a good – the Habs are a second-line team. They are one big second-line so Joe, they don't Joe, have Joe, a first-line center that's going to push the needle. They just aren't. They're not going to win without him. They need a centerman. Joe, for, first of all, the Habs better over the offseason, and, and that's what he's done. He's made them better. I don't know if anyone can argue made that. Secondly, the didn't make them more skilled. Secondly, the, the Habs out, absolutely outperformed the Leafs in these past COVID playoffs. A hundred percent. They they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have won two cups okay. in the last five years, and Toronto lost to Columbus, fucking second line schmucker. If 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 you Montreal know, is a bunch of third liners, Columbus is a bunch of fourth. You know, liners. and I know that these playoffs are not an accurate reflection. Oh come on! Then why did then why did the best team win? Then why did the, the best, best team, team win? did end up winning in the end? But the first round, the Islanders were not a lock to make the playoffs even before this. They were playing five, less sub five hundred hockey before the playoffs started. Montreal was ten points out of the playoffs. They had no business being there. <laughs> they didn't, but they first fucking team. performed. They were the they worst. Performed. They did perform, but this is the problem Montreal has. Montreal is stuck in the old John Ferguson Jr., Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. I know this. It's, we call it 8-8, eight eight, mediocrity. <laughs> this is the worst possible thing that could have happened to the Habs because now Mark Ferguson's like, hmm, I have a team here. We can compete. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to finish in ninth or 10th no year, draft 15th, and it's just going to be a recurring cycle of bullshit until they draft an Austin Matthews. That's what's going to happen. The Habs are not good enough. To, to, do, to do anything you've just said. They will not make the playoffs with this team. They will. They have an opening division. Ty that's... Tyler Toffoli, they've got for a I great like Tyler deal, too. I think he's Italian. I like Tyler Toffoli. He's a good player. But, again, it's, it's amazing what they've done. You're moving the needle to the – again, it's not no, – No, and now you've got Price a backup, so he's going to be rested and healthy all year. Like, this is – Jake Allen's a competent backup, sure, I guess. Like Yeah, well, I don't, uh, I don't that's know. That's where you're wrong. He's, he's really not. I, I also – I don't think Jake Allen is very good, but <laughs> – yeah. He will take up starts and, and he will give Price a rest. Doesn't mean that I'd get good. Strap Joe He's in between the posts. He's not going to lose every game he plays. How about that? He the, won't. That's true. What I'm saying is the Habs have gotten I love the Gallagher better. I love the Gallagher re signing. I love Brandon. Yeah. One of okay. my favorite players. 
I wish the, he was Hab, a- the Habs have gotten marketably better, and their young, their, their core of young guys are all going to get that much better. If Suzuki plays like he did in the playoffs, he's at least a great number two center, at okay. least. Right. But they're asking him to be a one day one, not a one. Well, center. well on. here's the thing: Dano is one of the best defensive centers in the league. If you've got Suzuki, Dano. And then plug in a third line. Like, it's a good, solid defensive team. It, it really they are is. a good, solid defensive team. But, again, you're not going to win a cup, or you're not going to compete in the playoffs with Philip Deneau as your number one center. If you're ice – Philip Deneau is like Tyler – He's going to be your number two. And he's the equivalent of Tyler Bozak. There's not, it's not – he's not good. Uh, he's a good defensive center, but he's not – again, he's not going to move the needle. That's the problem with the Habs. I mean, I, like, hey, you, you could have said all this before the playoffs, but they outperformed the Leafs. So, like, what, what well, do we know? the Leafs, and I give the credit to the Habs. They played a very good playoffs, I agree. But, again, like, this is the problem with them. It's like, I think – like, don't you think that was sort of overachieving for them where it's like, okay, like, we had a good flash in the pan against a Pittsburgh team that's obviously tired and a core that's obviously outgrown and stale. I think you called them stale the last time we were on the podcast. Like, again, like, I, I just don't think that the, what the Habs have now, even with the additions of fucking Josh Anderson. And Josh Tyler Anderson Cole, is fucking sick. He's not. And, he's a third I, line player. No, a he's player. not. He's a second-line player, and he could be plugged into your first line, no fucking problem. I think if you have Josh Anderson on your first line, you have problems. The, the Leafs would murder someone to have Josh Anderson on their team. They don't Absolutely Josh. murder someone. Yes, I, they would. Right. Listen, if I could get Josh Anderson on my third line, I would love that. Joe, I would trade. I would trade William Nylander for Anderson every day of the week, I every think, single day. Uh, have you been? Have you been uh, consuming some marijuana tonight? Because I think that's. I, I, I would you, absolutely do that. Absolutely. I, I think that you and a lot of Leafs no fans would too. No, they would. Absolutely, they uh, would. If they're over the age of sixty-five and name Roger from Barry, maybe. But <laughs> no one. I think you just don't value the player. He's like guaranteed Dodgers. 30 to 35 goals every year. Guaranteed. He's a schmo. He doesn't move Josh the Anderson needle. Josh Anderson might get you 15. He doesn't move healthy. the needle. Nylander doesn't move the needle. There's no one on the Habs right now that's better than William Nylander. Yes, there is. That's, that's, that's going too far. Who? I, I would take Suzuki over Nylander and so would everyone else in the world. I don't think that's true. I think that's – I think Pocket that's – could be better. Drew Ann is Niemi better. I would take Gallagher every day over Nylander. Deneau's probably got higher value to a winning team. What I'm saying is Nylander's a loser. He's no just a, a plain loser. Right He's the next guy to go. He's the next guy to go. It was Kapanen so, and the next it's no one would. No one would take Philip Deneau over William Nylander. Come on. A centerman who's Come great on, that, defensively you over know a winger who's a second-line winger? I don't know. I would. guaranteed 35 goals. He's, he's not. He's, he's not. He's, almost, he's never gotten 35 goals. He is. He is. Do, let, me, let me check this. Hold on. Let's see. Let's, let's see what his number is. There's no way. He's never gotten 35 goals. No, he he's on yet, pace, but Eli, but, he but was on pace to do it score. this year. Nylander was going to score 30 this year if the season kept going. He would have scored 30. He was at, well, The like, year before, he had seven goals the year before. training camp. Oh. He had – no. This he is, he's the season. He's not a goal scorer. Oh, he's not a goal scorer. He's Listen, not. But I feel bad because this whole podcast is about me and you debating over how shit the Habs are, which is markedly – which I think, I think you're grossly overvaluing them. You're like Exxon right now, but you listen, it's, it's just, 
it's just not going to happen for you guys. I, 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 I really do love that you guys re-signed Brandon Gallagher. Uh, but I just think the Josh Anderson move, it's like, I mean, okay. Like, Domi, Domi's not, Domi's career high in points, like 72, 73, something. Yeah. And you just. Sorry, Joe, can you repeat that? Oh, yeah, no, I just said that I don't see how the Habs uh, losing a guy that could potentially get you 80 points a year in Max Domi, uh, and now you've added like a second to third line player in Josh Andrew makes you better, like quote unquote better. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, to me, uh, I don't get it. Joe, I, I liked Max Domi a lot, but he abs like there was nothing left in the there's nothing left from him in the playoffs. I was like, where are you, man? He he didn't show up, and I, they started him on the fourth line. There's got to be a reason for that. His time in Montreal was done. I don't know why, but it was done. So you had to move on from him, and I think you got the best possible fit with Anderson. scored over 20 goals only once in his career. And he'll do it again next – actually, he'll score 30 next year. I, I, I would gladly bet you on that. And I, I, I actually feel bad. I'll give you odds on that. I feel bad. Okay, well, we'll how about this? Uh, Anderson outproduces Domi. I'm not willing to take that back because he plays on Columbus, but I will bet you ah, he'll score over 30 goals. So, no, but Anderson played on Columbus too. And in his years there, he – sorry. Okay. He scored 27 goals one year, and that's it. That was his – that's his peak. Actually, I think he's just hitting his prime in that year, and last year he was injured. Coming off a shoulder injury as well, which is one of the harder ones to recover from if you're a goal scorer. But he's had a lot of time, a lot of rehab, a lot, a lot. And, and Montreal must have done their homework. They must have researched that big time to give him seven years. They're paying him. Yeah, they're paying him five well, we and a half million for the next seven years. He's always he's been, he's been a very astute GM over these plus. <clears throat> Well, so actually, I was surprised by the Gallagher deal because six and a half in a year when players like Tyler Toffoli are getting 4.25 and Craig Smith's getting 3.1 surprised me. So I did a little bit of research and the Gallagher, Tatar, Dano line, they were the top three players in relative Corsi in the NHL who played more than 50 games. I buy that. Like, like I said, I think, it's, I think it's funny how Josh Anderson just showed up and he's getting 5-5 five, five, and Gallagher's given his blood, sweat, and tears to the blue, white, and red and he's only getting a mil more. <laughs> like, that's just bizarro. Nick, you think he should get more than 6.5? I think so. His value is more. Yeah, on the, on no the open market, he could get more. Kyle, in my NHL 20 GM mode, I, I signed him to the Leafs and I, I had to pay 8.5. I'm sorry, think, that's crazy. I don't think the issue is that Gallagher deserves more. I think it's that Josh Anderson got overpaid for what he is. Yeah, and, and I, told, I, told, I told Kyle, when they, when they made the deal, I won't take back my word. I liked the deal. I still do. But that he hadn't signed the contract then. And then when he signed the contract, I a lot. Lots of money. For some the no. Sorry. 
Yeah, you, you guys, guys are cutting out. So, yeah. We're just cutting out. I'm not getting it. Yeah, no, I, I can hear you, Kyle, but I can't hear Nick or Joe right now. Yeah. He's signed until 2027. Yes. That's weird. Like, during COVID, you can't do that. At 5.5. Yeah. 5.5 isn't killing you for a Kyle, like there's this. no deal. That's a long-term deal. That's like a five, six-term deal. No, no, no terms. Unless you're Markstrom, you're not getting a term that long. You, you, in, in COVID times, you just can't be paying players that much. Like, Hall got $8 million for one year. Pietrangelo got 8.8 .8 for seven, and I think that is undervalued for the type of player he is. Krug getting six, six and a half does not fly in any other year but this one. So paying, paying, paying Josh Anderson five and a half for seven years and Gallagher six and a half during COVID times, like that's, I think that's optimistic. That's how I'd describe it. It's optimistic that we're going to be able to return to a normal cap situation. But that's just because of COVID. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I don't know. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of money for like a third line player, but especially in these COVID times. But again, he's not a third line player. He is a third line player. You'll see. You'll see. It'll oh, become clear. Listen, he it might start, but when the Leafs are winning six two, he'll put in a goal. It'll be great. He'll make an errant pass in the third period, and you'll be like, "Oh, well, there's the Josh Anderson. That's what we're paying five and a half for." really hope he doesn't hit Matheson behind him in his career. Like that, That's the biggest thing I'm worried about Josh Anderson. I cannot wait till we have an all-Canadian division and Toronto just gets constantly fucked by Montreal. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, but I mean, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. All I'll say, Kyle, is like, I, I don't think Bergevin deserves like the 100% like praise he's getting right now. Like, I think he, it's, been yeah, a, it's been a mixed bag. Like, no. I, I really liked Edmondson. Like, they got him for, like, a fifth-round pick, and the, and the money came in cheap. Yeah. I, I still contest. I, I like the deal of Anderson, albeit the extension. The money is iffy. It's Jake Allen trade was weird, and the extension now is even weirder. Tyler Toffoli is a longtime Kings fan. I don't really like him. I don't think he's a dependable guy. I really don't. I think he was carried a lot by that 70s line led by Jeff Carter and Tanner Pearson. Oh, I, Nick. I Nick. don't know. He's it's a, a mixed bag. <laughs> he's a 30-goal scorer, Nick. We'll see. And, and, and they lack a guy like him. You're right. Yeah. They lack like a sniper perimeter kind of guy. But I think Hoffman would have been a better fit in Montreal. I agree. I think I would have I – I as a Leaf fan, felt more threatened if you saw a guy sign Mike Hoffman. Yeah, and they have the cap space to do it. Yeah, they should have done that. I don't know why they – I mean, again, there's a, there's, a, there's a desire for guys that are, like, over six feet, and as soon as they're over six feet, they're automatically fan favorites. I don't know. I, I, I agree with you that he probably shouldn't get the 100%. I love the Edmondson sign. I think Edmondson's great. Uh, I just don't think that Montreal is ready to compete with – the likes of like Boston, Tampa, or Toronto. Uh, no, it's a mixed bag off season, but I, I have them competing for like the third spot in the Atlantic. I, I do. Yeah. I, Boston's I'm, done. I'm not a huge fan maybe, of maybe. The, I hope so. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the money that Montreal has committed to these guys long-term, but I think what we've seen from Bergevin is a guy who's committed to 
trying to compete in the next year. And I think that's why he's committed this, the amount of money he has to the players he has. So we'll see. I mean, like, could Toffoli be a difference maker in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, do I think that Montreal will make the playoffs? I think they have a really good chance uh, this upcoming year. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how it ends up going. But I, I, I think, Nick, how you described it as a mixed bag is probably a good way of putting it because short-term, I really like the deals and the moves that Bergevin's made. Long-term, I think he's tied up a significant amount of cap space into a bunch of players who I'm not sure if they'll have the longevity that deserves the term that they've received. Yeah, well said. Good way to close the uh, Montreal segment there. Moving on. Uh, let's, let's, go, uh, let's go to Vegas. I have a question for you, Kyle. I feel like you'll be uh, you'll have a hard opinion on this. Is Vegas trying too hard to win a cup? Ooh, that's an excellent question, though. <laughs> Actually, uh, I I think they are. I think they're they're trying to play the the short game too too much. Uh, what you're noticing is they're they're signing guys and then they're trading them really quickly. Like there's not showing a lot of loyalty there. Um, and guys like Fleury, like, like two years ago, he was the face of your franchise and he was this, this, he, we all, we all worship Fleury and now we all hate him. Like, it, it's crazy. Schmidt's already gone. Like, I think they got really happy and, and overzealous on their, their cup final appearance in their inaugural year. And don't get me wrong. I think they're bound to go back soon, but, uh, they're definitely pulling all the stops and they're doing it in a, in a kind of dirty sort of way. Um, and I don't like that. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't like this lack of lack of loyalty, and and it's just yeah. I, I, I they're not the Cinderella darling team to to root for that they once were, in my opinion. I f- I feel bad for a guy like Nate Schmidt, who signs like a six year extension. I'm beloved in this new city of Vegas. Like I'm I'm one of their star defensemen. Look at me. And then you just get shipped off one year into your six-year deal. That that's that's sad. It is sad. It is no loyalty, like you said. And and I and saw Stassi that when, too. when they hired arch nemesis Pete DeBoer, who kicked them out of the playoffs last year. Did we just lose him again. Yeah. This guy's got to pay for a like better Wi-Fi. <laughs> God, yeah. So. Uh, this might be uh, require a little bit of edit in here. Sorry. Yeah. It's all right. Did you get that? No. Uh, we missed everything after Pete DeBoer. I just, when I saw that move, when you hire your, like, your head coach who led you to a Stanley Cup final in year one, and then you hire your arch nemesis who kicked you in the ass the year before, it just speaks volumes that this team will do anything to win, and they give a shit about loyalty. And it yeah. says, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Yes. I, I don't know how you finished that because you cut out again. But uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're becoming a, my least favorite, one of my least favorite teams. Well, that's why I asked you that question. Yeah. Um, they're like, a, like a, a team that just like 
here to year loves like plug and play guys, you know, like it, it, it's, it seems like they're just trying to build a team through free agency as opposed to like drafting and developing guys. I know they've only been in the league for whatever, like four, it was four years now, five years now they've been in the league. But it's just, it, 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 I agree with you. It seems like a team that just like has no commitment to loyalty. They're just like, okay, I want to win a cup. And this is how we're going to do it. Um, I think that Petrangelo signing like 8.8 for seven years is a lot. Like he's a great defenseman. He still will be. But like they're trading away a lot of core pieces. Like Nate Schmidt is a terrific skater and he's a great defender. And I love Nate Schmidt. Um, even Paul Stasny is a solid like second line center. So like, and they got, and they got the return for Nate Schmidt was fucking nothing. Like, that's, like, the biggest thing. is like, they got nothing oh, yeah. in yeah. So, like, they're really selling the farm for Petrangelo. And, like, I don't know. It's just, I agree with you. They're trying to become a team that's, like, a little thorn in your side. Or it's, like, like fuck you. Like, you're just, you're just doing this, like, win the cup. You have no loyalty yeah. to any of your players. And it's, like, I don't know. To me, it's, like, kind of bullshit, you know? You guys, they started off as an expansion team. And no one knew how to play the expansion rules. So, they were able to get, like, players that were better than they should have gotten. And now, you know, they're making, you know, they're dumping guys for like Petrangelo and like, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's very frustrating as a hockey fan to watch Vegas do what they do for beating the league so little. And now like, they're all like this cup contending team. It's just, it's just very it's frustrating. A, it's a, it's a cheapy way. Seattle is not going to have the success that Vegas it, It's a cheapy way of winning a cup. It's Nick and NHL 2020 impulsively spending money on free agents and old guys and giving money to Mark Stone and Petrangelo and Pacioretty. There's no grooming young prospects. You know, Kyle, is, I know you're a Cody Glass fan, but is he ready to step into the number two hole next season? Uh Potentially, I'm not going to rule it out. I, I don't. It's. It's. I, I'd say it's a fifty-fifty shot. But it, for a championship team, no, no. If they want to be a championship team, you don't want him in the two spot yet, at least. No, I I agree. Like Michael, their their four center down the middle is Carlson, Glass, Chandler Stevenson, and Nicholas Waugh. Is that good enough to win a cup? No, I don't think so. Um, I think, I mean, I was listening to uh, listening to the Thirty One Thoughts podcast um, earlier today, and listening to Elliot Freeman talk about how um, Vegas's GM, I think it's McClellan, uh, was talking about how you have to go out and get the best player when they're available because they don't become available very often. But at a certain point, you handcuff yourself when you try to get every best player available. And I think that's sort of what they've done by going after players like Stone, Pacioretty, and Petrangelo because you do need a balance, right? Like they, they were so effective in their first year by having basically four third lines and four lines that could come at you with that intensity, that chip on their shoulder, the defensemen, um, Shea Theodore and, and Nate Schmidt weren't top defensemen in the league, but they were really good and they were solid and they played hard. So yeah, I don't, I don't think they're deep enough down the middle to win a cup. Um, I think they've done a really good job of attracting big name talent, but, in doing so, they've made the rest of their players very, very uneasy. Um, and you can motivate your players with fear, but at the end of the day, it's not 
that's not what's enough to win a cup. You need a little bit of faith. And I think Tampa showed that this year, right? They, they put faith in their players. They won the cup. Um, so, yeah, no. Uh, they're not deep enough down the middle. They've tried to go after big-name talent, and in doing so, they've jeopardized the depth of their their team. And at the end of the day, they've shaken up the confidence of the group, and I don't think they're going to be able to win the cup in the next few years. I guess it strikes me as a team that's going to compete all the time but just never win, you know? <laughs> they strike me as a team that's like going to get to the finals or get deep in the playoffs every year and not win. Some may say uh, Ala San Jose with uh, Pete DeCord now behind the bench. <laughs> Which is hilarious. I've always thought you thought too much of Pete DeBoer. <laughs> and I, I understand that he's got the Windsor-Lock connection and he's a smart guy, but the real lawyer won this year, and that was John. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, like... Oh, boy. Mike, what are we going to do about these guys? I don't know. I don't know. They're getting too rowdy. Over there on their internet I actually, connection. I actually want to speak about Tampa. Yeah, I actually um, wanted to speak about Tampa. Like, yeah. I, I think Tampa is like a great example of like why you don't panic and blow up your core. You know, they're a perfect example of that. Stick with it. Stick with the process. All right, all right, all right. Let's simmer down. I don't know. They they've won a couple rounds in the past ten years. But but you look at you look at the Tampa style as far as building a franchise goes, and um, you can talk about coaching all you want. But I think at the end of the day, it's what it came down to was great management and great great team sure. building. And they sure. built their team through the draft. They didn't they didn't build their team through going out in free agency and taking the best guy available. Um, they built their team through the draft and supplementing the players they drafted with undervalued veterans in free agency. Like Kevin Shattenkirk was brought in on a veteran minimum contract, even though he wasn't necessarily the best available player in that free agency. I, I agree. I think, I think Tampa is like a – I think it's just like a lesson for teams like the Leafs where it's like, they're going to live and die by the core. Like, yeah, like Tampa's third and fourth line kicked in, but who really sparked their series? It was guys like Braden Point and Hedman. Those are the guys that won them the cup, right? Kucherov, right? So, you know, again, like it's like for the Leafs, you know, you live and die by the core, right? Who's going to win the Leafs the cup? Like it's good to have a good bottom six, but it's going to be Matthews, Nylanders, or Marner, or Tavares that's going to make them win them the cup. That's what's going to happen. Stick with it. Yeah, what was it Joel Embiid said? Trust the process. Mm-hmm. Trust the process. I mean, Joel Embiid hasn't won anything either, but <laughs> I agree with his statement. Sorry, fellas. We just want the internet to catch up here. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, St. Louis, they go with their backup plan and sign Tory Krug. Seven years, 6.5 mil. If you guys don't mind, I'm going to start with this segment, being the Lone Blues fan here. I think they've lost their identity. And I don't wow. feel good. Well, I, I, this is a dark time. You just lost, like, the staple of your franchise. And known to be a defensively hard team with that identity, I think it's gone. 
I that was the guy, and him and Jay Bomeister were their tenants on the back end. And Bomeister, we don't know what the future of his career is, and you just lost your captain. So I'm incredibly disappointed with the direction Armstrong's brought us in. We have no one to push Binnington for starts, so the guy could be a total donut in net and just like I, I like he, no one's gonna push him and, and it's not it's concerning. And and Tori Krug's not Petrangelo. He's not a stopper. I will see them this. They've never had a PP one guy kind of like Edmonton. They've always ha- like had to rely on like a Vince Dunn, but I'm not optimistic. Other than helping the power play, I don't know how this is going to help their team. And and, and oh my God. sorry, Cal. Oh no, I know it's Nick. We got to get you in an update. We got to get usually very good. We got to get you in an usually update. very good. It's usually. The point is, they lost Petrangelo. It's going to hurt their depth. It's uh, it hurts a lot, and I and I I don't know if I I'm I'm still a fan. I'll still draft Bennington in fantasy. I'll still watch my Blues games. I mean, Kyle's gonna lose. I yeah, this is uh, this is tough. Michael can attest. This is very tough to communicate with with Nick here. It's it, yeah. It's been a choppy past little bit, but um, boys, I'm not optimistic about the blues. That's it. <laughs> okay. First of, all, first of all, may I say I don't give a fuck what happens to Jordan Bennington. He's a piece of shit. Yes. I'd be happy. He. Yes. I, I you know like fuck him. But I agree with you, though. Like, the Blues had this identity as this defensive team, like a rock-solid defensive team, and now you lose Petrangelo. And it just, like, I agree with you. Take care of that. Tory Krug is not a defensive defenseman. Tory Krug is a great offensive defenseman. He's, and I think at 6.5, that's not a bad deal for someone like Tory Krug. But that's not who the Blues are. The Blues don't sign guys like Tory Krug. The Blues keep signing guys like Alex Petrangelo. I'm just wondering, like, what the disconnect was between – Signing Petrangelo, like why wouldn't they sign him back? Like I'm just uh, uh, apparently it was a no move. He wanted a no move, and St. Louis's GM Armstrong said he doesn't like no moves because it gives the player more power than the GM, and he didn't like that. He was their captain, was he not? Yeah, yeah and he led them to their only franchise cup, and he scored the game winner in Game Seven against Boston. And, and, and you feel that why? Why would you even want to move him? Like you know, what I'm trying to say it's just a guy who's got a big ego. This Armstrong, the greatest player in franchise. Yeah, this guy Armstrong's got a big ego, and he wants to be in the high chair. And that's what we saw from these negotiations. Yeah, that's, sad. That's, that's ridiculous. I, I, I always thought he was going to stay in St. Louis because if there's anyone that was integral to that cup run, it was him and Ryan O'Reilly were the two guys that I thought. Or integral in that cover, obviously, and Bennington. Uh, and, and if you read the reports out of St. Louis, the Petrangelo comment when Crew got signed was just he was stunned, stunned. Yeah, and I would be too. It was shocking. I agree with you. And don't even get me st- like he said the same thing about the Justin Falk signing like eight months ago. That was a weird one too. Look at Justin Falk's contract. He's getting paid between like five and six mil on like a five-year term. This guy was six awful. and a half. This guy was this guy was this guy was thrown out of Carolina because he wasn't good enough. 
And now That's he's so and now he's this guy in St. Louis that and he's the reason Petrangelo's gone. Yeah, they lost their identity along the way. I think I think the stroke of Petrangelo was written. The final stroke was when they signed Justin Falk because they started moving away from what their identity was. And now you have Justin Falk and Tori Krug, who are two guys that don't play defense. They, they're good offensive defensively, don't play defense. And as a Blues fan, that's frustrating. And for me, like, I hope to see Jordan Bennington's failure. I, I think he's just a terrible human being. But, um, like, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think as a Blues fan, you should be objectively upset at management for not closing this deal of arguably one of your probably the most important player in France. Well, I, you look at Boston as well, right? And Boston has made their legacy out of having one of the top defensemen in the league for the past 50 years. Like, they had Bobby Orr, they had Ray Burke, they had um, Zdeno Chara. And the last offer they made to Tory Krug was a year ago at about the same amount that he signed in St. Louis for. And I think that's telling not only as to what Boston really thought of him, uh, as well as sort of what he actually was worth at the, on the open market. Because people might, Boston Bruins fans, for example, might be cru- like waiting to crucify their GM for not re-signing the guy. But I think they made the smart move by letting him walk. Like, I think he's a good defenseman. He's much more of an offensive defenseman than a shutdown guy. Um, and they felt as though it, when it comes to winning – you can find a player similar to crew through development or through a trade or through a signing more easily than you can find your shutdown guy. And there, there were talks about Boston being in on Petrangelo, but needing to move cash space around to sign him. Um, so yeah, I think it's surprising that St. Louis ended up signing Krug to, <laughs> to the deal they did when I think Petrangelo the entire time wanted to be back in St. Louis. Yeah, I think that's a good note to end on. It's good. Um, one more big one before we get into mop-up time. Taylor Hall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I wanted to take this one from a least fan perspective since we're playing Buffalo four times a year. Um, I think that makes Buffalo a better team. There's no doubt. Like, Taylor Hall's a great goal scorer. Um, I just, I just don't think that even with Taylor Hall, Buffalo is going to be competitive. Their goaltending tandem is what Ulmark and who's what's the other guy's name? Ulmark Johnson. Hutton is the other guy. Yeah, and the, and the prospect Ulmark. is uh, Ke- Pekalukunen. Well, he, Uka Pekalukunen. Yeah. What was his name? Uka Pekalukunen. What a name! Fantastic um, in the juniors, though. Yeah. Uh, their top pairing is. Dallin and what, Montour, Ristolainen. Ristolainen is is garbage, but I mean, like, yeah, I just don't think he'll be able to compete even with Taylor Hall. Like, if you have the cap room, like, why not for a year? Like, that's my logic. Like, why the fuck not? Like, I I would do it too if I had the cap room for one year. But mm. it doesn't really move the needle for Buffalo more than they should. They still have woeful defense. Their bottom two lines are atrocious. Their goaltending is fucking awful. Like, they're just, again, they're just like a sad, sorry franchise. And, like, good for Taylor Hall for, like, taking the money to go play in Buffalo because you'd have to pay me a lot more than that to play hockey in Buffalo for a year. But, uh, I mean, again, like, yeah, good for them, but I just don't think that moves the needle for the Sabres in any way. Like, they'll score more, but, again, like, 
they'll be 15 points out of the playoffs as opposed to 17. So, like, congratulations, Buffalo. So the, this, uh, this deal for me is, is a home run for all parties involved. From the Hall perspective, he gets to do a show in the year. I love disagreeing with me. No, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not actually disagreeing. I'm saying for Taylor Hall, you know, you had a bad year last year. So you get one year at 8.5 and you get to show me year with Eichel. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Hall blows the, the doors off the water if this becomes a, a dynamic duo. That's what he's hoping for there. Whether he stays in Buffalo, who knows? Uh, and for Buffalo, you got to give your fans something to watch. Like, I don't think this makes Buffalo a good team, but I think that it makes Buffalo a team I want to tune into whenever they play a, a, a meaningful game, you know? <laughs> You mean when they play the Leafs on NBC on a Thursday night? That's- no, no. Like, uh, I, I would tune into Buffalo, like, against a lot of teams. Maybe not a Nashville, but against a Pittsburgh? Yes. Hell yes. Sign me up. I, I'd watch that. that game. I I'll would watch that. Watch, I bet you watch a period of that and turn it off. <laughs> no, no. I, I would watch that. I would watch. Buffalo is now an exciting team to watch yeah. because of this, this dynamic duo, and it gives the fans something to chew on. And, uh, and, and they don't lose money-wise. So it's a great deal. That's the it's thing, a great yeah. deal. I agree with you because, like, if you have the cap space, why not? Like, right? Like, yeah. you have to keep attracting the one fan that comes to your games. It's, hey, their top six is really good. It's so good. They are. They are good. They just the can't bottom the six puck. is bad. They're net, and their bottom six is bad. <laughs> Yeah. And I love Jack Eichel. I think he's a great player. I just, I just, I don't know if he wants to stay in Buffalo long term because he's probably fed up with the losing. And this, it, it, like, I mean, again, it's a good signing for Buffalo from a fan's perspective, but from an overall team perspective, it's like, do I really get that much better? Because, like, I don't know if this is going to propel them into the playoffs. And another year of missing the playoffs for Jack Eichel, like, if you're Jack Eichel and you're like, if I miss the playoffs this year, like, I need to seriously talk about getting the fuck out of here because I'm wasting my prime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, well, that's the thing. Like, we that's another reason why you have to watch them because things are coming to a head so quickly. Like, if they're out of the playoffs badly by you know a couple months in, you everyone's watching what the fuck's gonna happen. It's gonna be so, it's gonna be a soap opera, you know. It's 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 cool to watch. Well, at least they'll get Aturati next year when Taylor Hall's <laughs> luck gets them no, the first no. overall pick. They need Brant Clark, my friend. They need no, Brant Clark. They need, they need a lot of things. Like, they're, they, they, they've just been so mismanaged for years, and, like, their goaltending situation isn't good. Their back end outside of Darlene, who I think is a superstar, um, isn't very good. Um, I mean, like, anyone who puts face in Rasmus wrist line as a top-four defenseman seriously has problems. But, again, like, it, it will be – I agree with you, Kyle. It will be exciting. Like, watching Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel versus, like, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner will be exciting to watch four times a year. For the one Buffalo fan, it will be very exciting. But <laughs> they have I, so many good fans. They they have a fan. Yes, they they their do. Fan base is fantastic. People, there are people who wear the Buffalo Sabers jerseys. Yes, but I, again, like I just I don't know. I just don't think this moves the needle in any significant way for Buffalo, other than maybe drawing some more people into the the viewership because there probably won't be fans. I'm assuming. But yeah. All right, All right. mop up time. Chris Tanev, Calgary, four Good. years, 4.5. Aside from the fact he's a bandit, he's a decent defenseman. So, yeah, I like it. Uh, Justin Schultz, Washington, two years, four mil a year. Kyle, what do you think? Kyle, yeah. Fucking awful. 
This guy <laughs> shouldn't be in the NHL. Absolutely should not be in the NHL. You hate his guts, eh? I hate him. He like, oh my god, he's done. He's washed up. He's shit. He was main. He was probably the main reason Pittsburgh collapsed so hard against Montreal. Anyone signed Jack Johnson? Yes, uh, Rangers. So. Oh, beautiful. Hey, they signed our boy Tony D'Angelo back, eh? Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Fucking hack, eh? I'm surprised he's watching the Trump Town Hall tonight. He got the news. Oh, he sucks. That's fucking sucks. Speaking of washed up. Patrick Marlowe re-ups with San Jose, 700K, one mil. What I found funny about yeah. that is they tweeted the picture of him in a Penns jersey. I'm like, you couldn't find a picture of him <laughs> San Jose Uni? He's been playing there for 20 years. You couldn't find one picture of him? Boy, oh boy. That's bad. Yeah, the Sharks. Right, Zimmer down though. now. Hey, Ozzy Weisblatt. Ozzy Weisblatt. Action, shitty team. Justin Robbins. Great, great job by them, though, to bring Marlo back. And uh, hopefully having Marlo back also helps them bring Thornton back. And then, you know. Mike has a nice even keel take. So we're just like <laughs> shooting up the sharks over here. Um, and the most recent news, Dadanoff to Ottawa, 3 mil, 15, or sorry, 3-year, three 15 mil deal. Good signing. Dadanoff's a quality player. He produced in play especially. He's a good player. He'll be a good yep. player for them. I was like surprised that. he got five mil after Toffoli got four point two five, but been cutting the deals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kristen has a way with words. And and now we now we just wait for Hoffman. Yep. Because of I, of the two Floridian guys, I think Dadanov was the guy more likely to stay. But yeah, Floridian. Floridian. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I do um, think, but. I, I think three-year term in Ottawa, though, is a good call, right? Because that ties his contract to the their rookies who are coming in this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time he expires, then they can start paying their rookies. I, I don't disagree from the Ottawa perspective. I'm just saying from a Florida fan, fan base, I thought they were going to keep at least one of these two guys. So I'm a little and, – and it looked like Dadanov was going to be the guy they were going to keep. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here with Hoffman. If they, if they lose both, both, that's weird. Is he selling asset? Was he selling his real estate business? How's he paying for these? Maybe he's selling selling his home in the Bahamas. I have no idea. <laughs> um. All right, and then uh, we already talked about Nate Schmidt, right? To Vancouver for the third yeah. rounder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Before before we go, I just want to toss in two things. One is New Jersey, who I think has done a fantastic job this offseason, bringing in Ryan Murray, Andreas Janssen, and Corey Crawford. I think they had a young group. They brought in some a little bit, a little bit more of a veteran presence, um, as well as filling in some gaps that they had. Uh, and then the other thing is that the Bruins have absolutely shat the bed yes. by just – delaying on every single free agent who they had interest in. And apparently they're cheering about that. Yeah. But they've, they've been, they've been tied to every big name and every time it's been, Oh, we have to clear money to bring you in. And every big name has just said, nah, fuck that. And gone elsewhere. Not to mention they're now out. McAvoy, Marchand and Pasternak for the long term. Yeah. Which is disastrous. But yeah, go go New Jersey and here's your chance for Montreal. Three. <laughs> Montreal was already better. Yeah, and and honestly, 
and honestly, like I, I would feel bad for Boston, but I absolutely do not feel bad for them at all. Like I do not care. Mm-hmm. Sorry, boys. I just can't tolerate that bad internet. <laughs> oh my god! I think it's because exactly. we're trying to do two zooms from yeah. one. You're still, and the Kojiko can't handle it. You're still frozen on the other screen, Nick. It's crazy to what? see right now. He's the only person oh, yeah, in two right, places yeah, yeah. at once. Oh, my God. Um, but no, I, I can't have – at least when I sign off, I can't have the internet butcher us. So uh, I figured I'd just leave. Ignore my desktop. It's clearly not organized. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's okay, now there's Nick's. Yeah, there we go. All uh, right. Yeah, well, hey, thanks for having the two of you on. It was a pleasure. We wanted to go off the bang. I, I think we got everything we wanted to get in. Some heated conversations. That was fun. Yes. Despite my hatred for the Habs, I still love you, Kyle. Yeah. Thank you. I love you too. Love it. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, like the number one thing I'm looking forward to now is is Domi versus Anderson. Yes. I'm gonna be following that with. So I know. I know. I know. Leafs Habs game one. <laughs> I hope you're in Kingston for that. Yes, I will. Great. I'll make it out. I'll make it out. Beautiful. All right. All right. Well, with all that said, it, it's time to uh, tuck Kyle into bed for his two-month yeah. hiatus. He needs yeah. to oh. honored to be on the season yeah. finale. And 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 uh, him and I will be back for the World Juniors. We hope to have you yes. guys on soon. And uh, yeah, with all that said, pleasure to give you guys another season of the podcast. And uh, we got some fun things in store for the next season, season three. So big time. Then, Thanks for tuning in. Rink Moose, signing off.